Good evening. This is Howard Hand up me with a DNN special report. Over 100,000 are dead as the deadly Pangaea virus continues to spread across the supercontinent. Experts advise the public to stay inside till the virus gets bored and leaves us alone. Presently, this destructive disease is set on a collision course that will result in the extinction of all life on this planet. This just in? No, it's not. This has been a DNN News Update. For more stories like this, tune in to Sinclarity, a dinosaur's tale, every Friday on your favorite podcast provider. The, the arms dealer, Gorbanofar, that they're mainly dealing with, he added a 41% markup of his own. So we're talking about 56% markup right now of weapons. Well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much, um, well, how much the full deal was. It was really 86% because Uber Eats takes 30%. Because <laughs> that's, that's And then the Danes, they're, 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 they're charging like five, uh, five Ron is arriving in a Toyota Tercel with their weapons. He'll be there in 36 minutes. Feel free to tip him or I leave instructions. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Hey, guys. And Ryan. I'm back in my Afghanistan cave. Afghanistan cave. You're you're Osama bin Laden, like, super (laughs) Osama bin Laden. More like uh, Osama bin Laden. (laughs) So, today... We're going to continue talking about Iran-Contra. Well, um, And we're going to get to the part where um, it, it actually goes into the United States started selling um, the, the arms to um, the Iranians. And in this period, like, we covered a lot of the stuff that leads up to this because the actual period where they were doing this does not go on for very long. And, and you'll see for reasons why it doesn't. Because everybody was incredibly stupid from what I've been told. By yes. a pretty smart guy, <laughs> and and also by this point as well, um, we had talked about you know that Congress had been pretty mad about the Reagan administration um, arming and aiding the Contras in Nicaragua, mm-hmm. um, and going by um, Israel's sort of um, backroom deal with Iran, where Israel was selling weapons to Iran and other equipment um, secretly and sort of taking the money they make off of it and using it as a slush fund for the Mossad, which is the Israeli intelligence service, and also for the Likud party, which is sort of the right-wing main party in Israel even today. Okay. Um, So in in order to get around having to get congressional funding for these CIA operations, um, what will eventually happen is is that the U.S. will sort of do what Israel does. But that's getting a little um, ahead of, of where we are currently. Okay. Okay. Um, and then is the quick catch-up. Like, this all kind of got kicked off by Iran having arms embargoes on them and Israel selling them the parts that we give to Israel or sell to Israel, right? Yes, because Iran used to be a major U.S. ally in the region, um, probably equivalent to what Israel is for the United States today. 
where the Shah of Iran was a close American ally, and most of Iran's military was equipped by the United States. So right. all of the vehicles they have, all of the jets, all of the other like um, weapons they're using come from the United States or Great Britain. So because the United States over you know the, the Iranian Revolution and taking the embassy hostage, um, the Carter administration had begun an embargo on Iran, which the Reagan administration had continued, although the Reagan administration was behind the scenes working with the Iranians to a certain degree, believing that if they did not help the Iranians, that Iran would go towards the Soviet sphere of influence, which we know today, and as they should have known at that time, was was a pretty ludicrous idea, um, because the Soviet Union was pretty opposed to Iran as well. Well, you say mm-hmm. that. So why did they do it? <laughs> because they're they 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 were dumb cold warriors. Because everything is stupid. I mean, <laughs> like, it's it's so funny because like I I I know I'm I'm kind of like making fun of it, but it's it's not wrong. It's pretty <laughs> much just that they're, that they're dumb. Yeah. Because later on, it, it sort of comes to the the CIA uh, Middle Eastern Department who are who are sort of working on you know, um, arming the Afghan rebels against the Soviet Union, like, they, they get mad because this program is sort of stepping on their toes by taking um, taking away funds and, and items that should be going to them, but also for the fact that they think it's really stupid and worthless, you know, to carry on this program with Iran, because they know Iran is not going to come over to the U.S., Mm-hmm. And they know Iran's not going to go over to the Soviet Union either, so it, it's just sort of a dumb, a dumb sort of system that's based on a really faulty logic, and they won't listen to anybody who tells them otherwise. Gotcha. Oh my god. Sounds like capitalism, but okay. And and meanwhile, during during around the same period, well, someone would have to be making money, right? So like, is it is if it's capitalism, isn't it like the weapons makers? Well, yeah, the the weapons makers, and I, I'm I'm sure because the money is illicit. I, I'm sure I I don't know of anything of like money going to the to the specific people in there, um, but these are all high ranking. Like most of the people who are involved in what becomes the Ira- the Iran Contra affair, they are in the National Security Council, so they are at like the highest echelon of the U.S. government. Do you understand how fucked that is? Like that whole sentence you just said, the people who are involved in one of the most scandalous closest to treasonous affairs in the United States history are all in the upper echelons of government. That let's just so let's fun. just call it what it is. It was treason. Okay, treason, yeah. So treasonous people, a group of them are in the highest levels of the government. Like it's, it's, god, this is it's crazy. And it's 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 also very ironic because a lot of these people are sort of that that level of conservative who who only go by saying like the constitution that it has to be taken directly as it's written, which is um, insane. But, but but a lot of what they do is is through interpretation, mm-hmm. um, and we'll we'll sort of get to why their their rationale as to why they thought they could do this, and it's largely because they they looked at sort of the ascribed powers in the areas where it's vague, where where no one thought of something like this happening, which, which is sort of a result of of what they call the imperial presidency, just the fact that the executive branch in the last, like, 60 to 70 years has exploded and grown in such a way with all the intelligence agencies and everything involved that it creates a scenario that the original uh, authors of these laws never really considered. So, like, that's the difference? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So I I bring this up, and I've argued with um, 
some pretty staunch conservatives about this before that essentially um, when you have a conversation with people like that, they tend to have, they tend to treat um, politics, their political opinions, like a set, like a separate religion. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a thing in religion that's called uh, eisegesis, which is um, not Jesus, but eisegesis. It's basically uh, the interpretation of a text as mm-hmm. opposed to what yes. it actually means. And then the critical interpretation would be called exegesis. And that essentially most people, when they talk about the Bible, they refer to eisegesis, which is actual interpretations of the text, not really what the Bible's saying, but they interpret it to fit their ends. It's the same thing that happens with the Constitution in these situations. They interpret it to, to the way it fits their ends, and they do it based on like what you just said, right? Like It's, it's because... There's no way the founders thought about Iran, you know. Just like there's no way the founders thought about there's, AR-15s, but that's a discussion. <laughs> right? Imagine well, you told George Washington <laughs> that anybody could afford a rifle that can shoot a billion yeah. rounds a minute. Like no, George, listen, well, Big G, let me well, tell you something, dog. I got this piece of machinery. Okay, I know you don't even know what the word machinery means, but I got this piece of machinery well, that set. can cycle twelve hundred <laughs> bullets. Like, how fast can an AR shoot? Someone get Mr. Morrison back in the lockup. He's insane. He can shoot cartridges, or I'm sorry, I can shoot uh, bullets at 1,200 feet a second. I know that that number means nothing to you, you know, big big GW, but uh, you're going to want it. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's crazy. Well, uh, I think you have to know that when we're talking about, like, the National Security Council, it's something that's only existed since 1947. It's not. Right. It, it's not a. It's not a part of the government that has existed, you know, since the founding of the country. Mm-hmm. And and also as well, um, not not to get bogged down in sort of a constitutional interpretation, um, but but you know, usually like you were talking about in, in sort of like the theology of sort of like how they read the text. Right. Um, usually in in constitutional interpretation it comes down to like textualism and structuralism and stuff like that. Right. Right. Also I want to go back for one second. Um, earlier you said these people actually went through and searched basically for loopholes that they could exploit. It, in a way it, it's sort of how they interpreted but I mean, like, they um, did the crime. Said, like, did they do it backwards? Like, they committed the. Like, most people, you would think they would commit the crimes, and then to get out of it, they look for the loopholes that could get right. Like, assholes well, went would, and looked for loopholes first is what they could exploit. Is that what they did? Well, it's yes, easier they, they, to they, ask for forgiveness than permission, buddy. Because because what they're what they're doing is don't I know? <laughs> is is they've started out they've started out on this mission to to arm the Contras in Nicaragua and increasingly the government uh, the the legislative branch of the government has told the executive branch you can't do this and they keep putting restrictions on them and they keep trying to get around these restrictions to keep doing what they're doing and, and as basically. I sort of left off on the last time um, the CIA. And, and also the, the people who want to arm the Contras sort of see this as where Congress says uh, you, can't, you can't use um, funding for this. They, they interpret it as meaning you can't use funding that's from the, the government. Okay. So that basically the legislative use... branch of the government was playing whack-a-mole with the executive branch. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and in order to like get away with it, the executive branch, you know, in a sense, goes rogue. I'm going to make a whack-a-mole machine where it's just Reagan's head popping up and goes, uh, Will, uh, Will, uh, Will, Nancy, uh, Will, uh, uh, Will. 
Um, <laughs> if you beat him, it tells you all the story about how Rock Hudson died because his wife was an asshole who thought that AIDS was a gay disease <laughs> and didn't and couldn't conceive that Rock Hudson, this just just perfect man, perfect beautiful man, could be gay. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, back to the to National Rock, Security we have to add Council. Rock Hudson to our uh, list of Fred Rogers and uh, who else did we add to that list like last week or the week before? I don't know, but the I think. Perfect human J- beings? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter and Fred That's Rogers. That's Jimmy Carter. Yeah. That's gotta, our list, of, add, uh, list of people. Rock Hudson to that? Yeah, do we got to add Hudson to that? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, don't I don't know anything about Rock Hudson other, I don't, than, other than that. You know, I know he's an actor. I Well, the, the thing about, like, Rock Hudson is, is I don't think there was anything really, like, that remarkable about him or, like, yeah, really, he's just like, some guy like, like he was that like, he was just an actor who was like secretly gay, in a time where you couldn't be openly gay in in Hollywood or even in society at large. And there actually was a number of male actors throughout like Rock Hudson's generation who were secretly gay, right? And got into like sham marriages in order to like get around the paparazzi. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was like a really big tradition during that time period in the '60s of like all men like parties. Where it was just sort of like gay hookup parties Sauce in Hollywood. Parties is what you're referring to? Yes. <laughs> I've been to a few um, of those, but they weren't gay, <laughs> not on purpose. But back back to sort of like the build up to when uh, Iran Contra like really gets heated up. Um, so Israel has been doing this secret program um, with Iran, and over time, it, it's sort of coming out that Israel is dealing weapons to Iran. Um, Ariel Sharon, who was the uh, the defense minister of Israel at that time, um, he stated in May of 1982 dur- during a visit to the United States um, that Israel was selling military equipment to Iran. Um, and and every time this comes up as well, it, when it's hinted at, the the Iranian government like denies it um, because the Iranian government um, hates Israel. No, uh-huh. um, no, and, no, and, and and in their propaganda, they they claim that Israel is helping Iraq. Um, and when, and when Israel, for instance, in, in 1981 nice. blows up the Iraqi um, nuclear reactors that that could make nuclear weapons, that could make you know fissionable material, um, the the Iranian sort of propaganda machine spins it as as that part of like their kowtowing to the to Israel was that they had to let Israel destroy their nuclear weapons capability. Whew, man. The uh, twisting and turning of that whole sentence. Good. Um, that was, that was a, a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, I, you know, I have trouble paying. I have ADHD, so I have trouble paying attention. I'm working on it. You know, without I can't take medicine for it anymore. But uh, yeah. Well, no. Always blame. Well, well no, they they, they deny it, and they say like, "Well, we're not we're not working with Israel. Israel's the great enemy. These these we don't even like, like, like those dudes. Come on, like because because a lot of Iranian like propaganda is saying that they like one of the slogans of the war with Iraq is like Baghdad is the road to Jerusalem. Oof. So the idea is is that once they take out Iraq, they're going to move on Israel as part of like their. They're, they're sort of like propaganda campaign. My God. Um, and it, uh, Moshe Arendt, who in, in October of 1982, um, who's the is- Israeli ambassador to the United States, um, he he said that, you know, that Israel is dealing arms to Iran and it's taking place with consent of the highest levels of the U.S. government. Ooh, um, and in September intrigued. 28th of 1983, 
um, in Paris at a news conference, um, Ariel Sharon again said that Israel was selling arms to Iran with the consent of the United States. Man. So he's just putting it all out there. Yeah, like when pressed upon it, they say, you know, this is this is happening. Um, the United States is, is sort of denying it, and um, Iran is also denying it. I mean, so um, everybody's, yeah, okay. I mean, it makes sense that everybody would deny that. And in <laughs> no, 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 19, absolutely not. 19, no, no, we're not all committing international crimes. No, fuck no. Of course not. What kind of clown would admit doing the things international crime? No, no, no. No, no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> I love how Trotsky just shows up in every episode. <laughs> We're like Seinfeld. It's like that joke that Superman's in every Seinfeld episode that Jerry Seinfeld had to come out and say, no, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld like six times, and believe me, if there's one yeah, thing I not. know, it's that I have a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> in in the year of 1983, um, Israel uh, I was one sold year old. more than 100- so more than a hundred million dollars worth of arms to Iran in that year. Holy shit, dude! That's a lot of bullets. That's a lot of guns. So can we blame Israel for? Whoa, 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 buddy! Whoa, 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 whoa! Pirates. I don't think we want to be tossing around that <laughs> well, kind of blame now. You know, I don't know. Well, well, you can't. It, well, I would argue that you can't really say they militarized them because you have to remember Iran is in the middle of a war. That won't end until 1988, and it's like a World War One-style stalemate, where the Iranians are sending human wave attacks at Iraqi positions, and the Iraqis are, are beating them back with like you know superior weaponry. Mm-hmm. Um, who was, at some who point, was funding even chemical Iraq? weapons. Um, I, Iraq was fighting themselves through oil wealth because they didn't have an embargo on themselves, and most of the world was selling weapons openly to Iraq. So like, like were we not even like, trying to hide it? Like Russia. Maybe, yeah. Like this, like a lot of the weapons that Iraq had were, were Soviet made. Um, wow. They're they're getting weapons from France and other places. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States is giving them intelligence. For instance, when they use chemical weapons on Iranian positions, mm-hmm. the United States government would give them satellite imagery to show them the positions so they could more effectively use their chemical weapons. Holy shit. Hmm. Um, the the amount of arms sales that are going on. <laughs> let us let us let us help. Put more Zyklon here. More crimes. <laughs> let me, oh, let, me let me let me. Oh, it's beyond Zyklon. It, it's like sarin gas. Put sarin gas in this location on map. You'll kill many people. <laughs> you're really you're really giving Donald Rumsfeld an accent there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld. I could do a good Donald Rumsfeld. I can't anymore though because he's been. You know, thankfully, uh, lost to time. So, I I couldn't even tell you what his voice sounded like if you asked me. I know exactly who he is and all that. So I just, what you I do is you take voice. like an old man, right? Right. Okay. For take a while there, I wanted to be a voice actor, and I try to do all these voices. And Donald Rumsfeld was really interesting to me because you take like a really old man, like a where, <laughs> and you so back Joe off Biden. it just a little bit. Uh, well, we're gonna help Iraq. Like you just kind of back off it a little bit, and then you're Donald Rumsfeld. Okay. Yeah. Well, well I, I, I see now you're doing a Reagan. You're doing a Reagan. <laughs> that was fucking perfect. Good Reagan. I can't do Reagan. You anyway. just did Reagan, bro. You don't know what you can well, do. Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, uh, Nancy. Uh, well, you know. Give me those 
jelly beans right when there. When you go and you go to the store, and sometimes you get a dozen, <laughs> but sometimes they sell you a baker's dozen. Now that's thirteen. Now these people say that's because I'm white, and they're probably <laughs> correct. But but the point of my politics is Iran needs weapons, and we have an embargo. Um. So it. <laughs> Israel's um, – the volume of sales between Israel and Iran is so great that they open up a, a, a special office in Cyprus. Steve, let me stop um, you right there. Do you think that Ariel Sharon <laughs> was like – was he feeling bad because he had two girl names? <laughs> Do you think that was it? I think it – what? His name was Ariel Sharon. Oh my god. Tell me he was redhead. Please tell me he was redhead. <laughs> I, I think by the time I uh, we've now um I don't know if we know. He, what color was his he hair? He was just like a, a fat a fat baby man <laughs> by the time that all of us like, it like was, knew him. Just like He's kinda like dough that he, was never put in an oven, you know, which is how you can really explain a lot of people who have a lot of opinions but have never experienced life in any degree where they get cooked. You see what I'm saying? Just just sloppy. Yeah. Sloppy is the word. Slovenly, yeah. I'm sure he was like, no, a, no, no, like no, a Dutch no, no. baby. Not slovenly, sloppy. Oof, sloppy. That's a rough word to say. Sloppy's hard, dude. Yeah, that's a rough. If you call thing. somebody sloppy, I feel like that hurts. <laughs> My buddy, one time I had these real chauvinistic bosses back in the day. I mean, they were just fucking pigs to the point where I I couldn't hang out with them. You know, I just couldn't do it. But every once in a while, I'd end up at a thing and they'd be there. And this guy is talking about this uh, bartender. She was really cute. She's a little older, and uh, he referred to her. As a dish rag. What? And I was like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard anyone called, ever. <laughs> Holy shit. I've said some really disgusting things. I know. I'll be honest with you guys. I've said some very disgusting things to people in my life and about people, but right. I would never. Wow. Dude, I, I had to back away for a little bit. I was like, dish rag? <laughs> like, she's nice, <laughs> dude. Fuck you. What hell's wrong with you? Mm. Of course, this yeah. is the same guy who basically buried the company at the end of the... At the end of the but company. You know, <laughs> you, you know who is a dish rag, right? Well, Ollie North. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, so Steve, how's Ollie it, North fit into this? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll we're going to get there, him. but we're I want still, you to know we're going to get there soon because other players. Ryan's like sending me texts, like telling me, when's he going to get to Ollie North? And it's all in caps lock and shit. He's misspelling word. He's angry. Sending pictures of Ollie North saluting the flag. Ollie North. So in in 1983, one of the oh, I had a lot of sugar, the, and I'm on my second beer. So just so you know, <laughs> one of the one of like the biggest middlemen, and also one of the most well known of them during this, like with these arms deals, is a Saudi billionaire named Adnan Khashoggi. Um, what? Adnan Khashoggi goes on to be like one of the wealthiest men in the world. Is he related to he, 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 Jamal? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he's Jamal Khashoggi's um, uncle. Um, Adnan oh, is the son of Muhammad Khashoggi, who was King Abdulaziz Al Saud's uh, personal doctor. What? So he's so he's like within the inner circle. Like the like the Khashoggi family is one of the most powerful families in Saudi Arabia. Ooh, and right. for instance, for like one of the reasons why Jamal Khashoggi getting killed was like such a big deal is because like he was almost like a member of the royal family and how close their families were. So for him to get killed that way in the fashion he was by by the Saudis, like that represented, you know, that, like, no one was safe. Uh, yeah, listen, why are you even coughing? So let me let me put it this way. So when Mohammed bin Salman ordered the hit on Jamal's 
<laughs> hit. That's what it was. It's a fucking hit. I'm 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 thinking of this in like mob versions. You know what I'm it, it saying? It kind of is. You know, I mean, at the at yeah, the it was. Day, you know, like whack that dude, cut him up, get him out of there. I love the idea that that you know. Uh, it was like good. We're not going to refer to his. Thinking, we're not even going to say his name because I don't feel like say I don't want to get super political. But the big shithead cheese orange guy, he admitted that he helped MBS get out of that in those recordings with Woodward, and it's like, it's, yeah, but I don't believe that. But dude, it's Woodward's fault because he didn't. Yeah, yeah. He didn't release it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, uh, uh, interestingly enough, Woodward will will come up later on in this. A lot of oh no, a, a lot of people who are still around today will come. Right, up I'm going to back off the politics um, and let you go. So go ahead. So. Um, one of the big names in this was an Iranian middleman um, named uh, Monitor Jeff uh, Gorbanifar, and and he he'll, he he's sort of a big contact as well, and we'll, we'll sort of get to like what he had to do with it. Okay. Um, in in 1984, in the in the spring of that year, um, the Chancellor of West Germany um, Helmut Kohl um, he publicly complained about the U.S. government, or he complained to the U.S. government about um about israel and about um 500 million dollars worth of israeli arms sales that had gone you said the prime minister of germany complained about israel the chancellor the chancellor the chancellor of germany complained about israel in 1970 something 1984 1984 man that's you know i guess that's that's enough years i mean their government had changed considerably is that east germany or west no west germany (laughs) Well, West West Germany is the one that has like the fund that like that pays restitution to Jews. Like they're they're the government. I believe it was Helmut Kohl as well was the one who like got down at his knees at the like the Holocaust memorial. Yeah, he called a lot. Like, he so, a lot of shit for so that. the West the, right the West German do. government is not like Nazi apologists. No, like, no, if no, anything, no. I was they went, making a poor joke. Yeah, but they went they went farther than any other government in Europe to sort of like make up for their involvement in the Holocaust. Um, for um, good reason. I mean, yes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no. But I'm saying like there are governments like Poland, Italy, which even today claims you know that that Poland had no part in the Holocaust. You know, Polish people weren't involved, and that the Polish people were actually victims. So you shouldn't like bring them up. I went to okay, a, I went saying. to a Polish Catholic school, and um, I've definitely heard the arguments about the Polish comp- uh, Polish government, not people, but co- Polish government complicity. Um, well, the people as well, right? Like, but regardless, like, uh, I went yeah, to I went to a Polish Catholic people. school, and they taught us about World War II. A uh, huge denial. I wouldn't say it to someone's face. Let's put it that way. No, God, no. Um, so in in July of 1984, um, the uh, a representative from Israel, Yakov uh, Nimrodi, Smirnoff. um he <laughs> met in he met in Zurich. Um, in Iran, weapons sell you. <laughs> with with an Iranian uh, with Iranian officials, and um, uh, Rifat Al Assad, um, who was the brother of then reigning president of Syria um, Hafez Al Assad, who is who is the father of the current president of Syria, Bashir Al Assad. Yes, Bashir Al Assad. The first um, Bashir I knew in my life. <clears throat> worked at the gas station, the mobile up the street from me, and he used to sell me cigarettes when I was fourteen. It was great. It was a great man. It's a great man. He got deported. I honestly feel deported. like a lot of like white people's real first introduction to people of Middle Eastern or you know, that just that general area of the world is like corner stores. We had this discussion, I think, before. You have two introductions to people of different ethnicities. Your personal 
introduction and what people tell you introduction. Mm-hmm. And I think hopefully you have the first one first. You know what I mean? Because you yeah, tends yeah, to yeah. be completely innocuous, and you find out they're just normal people. Yeah. Um. So th- this meeting results in an agreement between um, Iran um, and Syria and and Israel that they're going to begin shipping the weapons and truckloads um, over the border from um, um, from Syria and Turkey to. Um, Iran. I have I have that future song stuck in my head right now. So when you say weapons and truckloads, I'm just like truckloads of Molly Percocet. It's just stuck in my head. <laughs> I don't know why. They're gonna ship them to Iran. Okay, continue. Sorry, I'm getting frustrated. Um. So. Um. Also, you know, for instance, um, other other arm dealers in Europe as well are shipping um, hundreds of tons of explosive. For instance, one one base in Sweden. Um, was shipping hundreds of tons of explosives and dynamite um, by by way of Argentina to Iran. Um, so other European arms dealers are, are getting into it. I'm geographically fucked. It's my worst category on triv- trivia crack. So how the hell do you ship from Argentina to Iran? By plane. By boat. You just you just go from Argentina. What are you Irish Africa now? Like you're, Iran. you're gonna hit me with the Irish jokes, like or or through the. Or through the Mediterranean, I guess, and through the Suez. Yeah, but I ask you how you ship. That's what I wanted to hear. Like, not how do you ship? Well, by boat, <laughs> by plane. <laughs> well, no, but you, you, you ask like I know. It's... Like people haven't like like right now, you know, the shit you use every day isn't being shipped from China, which is a farther distance. Uh, China to the U.S. is a farther distance than Argentina to Iran. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably. Uh, so, that's probably even if you didn't know, I think you'd probably be right. You know. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, I was just saying, like the Irish thing is that thing I showed you guys the other uh, last night, which was yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the fastest way to get to that town? Well, you walking or driving? <laughs> I'm driving. Well, that's the fastest way. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fastest way is to be in the car. Uh, in, love it. Uh, in, oh, in, in 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 nineteen eighty five. Um, Danish owned ships. <laughs> the Danes uh, got involved. Jesus Christ! Well, this they're is a fucking chartered, cluster. chartered by the Israeli, chartered by the Israeli government and, and private arms dealers. Israeli Danes. Um, they they made over six hundred trips between um, an Israeli harbor, um, Elat, on the Red Sea, and the Iranian harbor of, of Bandar Abbas in the Persian Gulf. They made over six hundred trips um, of carrying american-made weapons what? so the danes Wait, were just early Iran. fucking fedex why are the danes well, no, what, what 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 i say danish cargo ships it means that the ships are registered in denmark oh, okay all right okay okay they're not they're not owned by the danish government so these aren't they're just, just not like viking men shipping weapons into iran yeah, so this is like long, SpaceX taking shit up there, oh, just on NASA's platform. You know what I had earlier? The long, had the a, long had ships are not pulling up to Israel and loading up the American weapons. <laughs> the long, <laughs> long ships, yeah. <laughs> Helmet Redtooth showed up today, earlier, gave us six G-72 rocket launchers and four barrels of onions. And then paddled off. <laughs> I'm sorry, rode. They rode away. In, on August 20th, 1985, Israel sends um, 96 um, American-made uh, tow missile launchers to Iran um, through the, the previously mentioned Iranian arms dealer, uh, Monitor um, Gorbanifar. 
Um, and then on September 14th um, of that year, they sent 400 more. God damn. Um, and on September 15th, following this delivery, um, a a reverend um, who had been held um, by a terrorist group called the Islamic Jihad Organization. This Reverend Cri- Benjamin Ware, Christian was, Reverend, like what what type of religion? Yes, well, he's a Reverend. They're they're all Christian. No, I mean like, but That's, what type? Like, I I I'm pretty sure he's a like what flavor? I, I'm pretty sure Ware was just like Jeez, a, 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 a evangelical. Okay, so he's he's nah, a lunatic. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and and on November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty five. Um, 18 and um, Hawk anti-aircraft missiles were delivered. Um, Jesus Christ! Can you imagine if Amazon? Can you imagine if Amazon was around back then? Jeff Bezos would be rolling in money. Yeah, yeah, we could prime that to you. We can have 18 fucking Hawk anti-aircraft missiles to you in two days. Sure. You want to throw on some more tow missiles to that too? We can. Yeah, we can do that. We can actually give you a better sale price. Because you have to remember, part of the rationale of like doing these agreements as well is that it's getting like because the Iranians are backing these terrorists that. The Iranians can ask the terrorists, you know, to let hostages go when they get what they want. Mm. Um, so on December fourth, nineteen eighty-five, um, Robert McFarlane, who was the Secretary of Defense, resigns, um, and, and he does this stating that he wanted to spend time with his family, and he's replaced Classic. by Admiral John Poindexter. John Poindexter of the New York Dolls, Buster Poindexter. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> His last name um, is actually Poindexter. God, that's unfortunate. They sold some so, weapons that, when you light them off, they're hot, hot, hot. <laughs> so two days later, um, Reagan meets with his um, with his advisors at the White House, and and a new plan is is sort of introduced by them. And so the the change of the plan is that instead of going. Um, that, that instead of the U.S. giving these weapons to moderate Iranian groups, um, they would go to moderate Iranian army leaders. Okay. Why does this sound like so much fuckery? Like, it just sounds... Because um, it, like, it is. Like, <laughs> well, because it, it is. Um, and as each of the weapons are delivered um, from Israel by air, um, part of the agreement was that hostages held by Hezbollah would be released. Because you have to remember at this time, there's a civil war going on in Lebanon. Okay. Um, so, so like when they talk about Hezbollah, it's not just like Hezbollah is a is sort of like a terrorist group that operates as a political party in Lebanon. It's Hezbollah is like a, a faction within the civil war that controls a section of Lebanon, and that's why they're sort of abducting people because these missionaries and other people are doing work in Lebanon or are already in Lebanon and stuck there, and they're just sort of like grabbing them. Whoa. All right. So, um, I, quick so, question though. Like, I'm ignorant about this. It, it almost sounds like this is like an extension of the Cold War. Like, it sounds like people are maneuvering. Well, yeah. It's, it, like I said, it's more well, proxy said, war. As, than well, Cold as I war. as I said previously, the whole basis of them, you know, arming Iran is the idea that if they don't arm Iran, Iran's going to go over to the Soviet Union. Because these cold warriors operate on the mindset that if we don't have them, you know, the U.S. doesn't have them, the Soviet Union has them. And it's a proxy war, because we're arming Iran in the hopes that if somebody fights them, well, like, that's, like, they're basically fighting on our behalf, quote-unquote. Well, the the U.S. Is, is more in it for trying to win over. The, they, they don't really care about the Iran-Iraq war, because they're also arming Iraq. 
mm-hmm. like the, their general the general sentiment held by the United States government during this period is that it would be great if like you know they both could lose. The United States government is playing both sides of the fence, and they're making money hand over fist. Because the Iran-Iraq war is not a Cold War war. It's it's not based on, you know, the Soviets backing one faction and the U.S. backing the other. Because, like, both the U.S. and the Soviet Union are openly backing Iraq. Like, they both publicly no, want Iran to lose. That was an actual hot war, though. Like, they were yeah. actually fighting yeah. each other. That was not a Cold War whatsoever. But it was definitely yes, a but proxy I, but war. But I'm saying this isn't... Sort of really. I, I don't understand your, your notion that this is, like, going into proxy war stuff. I, I thought it was more we were supporting Iran and somebody else is supporting Iraq. I totally just blanked on the fact that we were supporting Iraq as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that. We were supporting both at the same time. I know you suggested it earlier, yes. but I didn't know that we were yes. like openly. I, did we have like a level of support that we were backing? Well, they were they were openly supporting Iraq and they were they were privately like uh, supporting Iraq uh, okay. through the arms sales. Okay. Thank you. That makes Cause remember, more sense. Arms embargoes. Right, the embargo. Yeah, remember, that's, goes, Nancy, that's, we can't sell them weapons directly. Well, you know, we can't. That's, that's where you get those pictures of, like, Donald Rumsfeld shaking hands with, like, Saddam Hussein. That's from this period. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do, Nancy. We're going to sell them. We'll sell them the Nerf guns up front. But we can't give them any of the little styrofoam missiles. we got to send those on Danish ships no one will ever suspect it. I don't think that Ronald Reagan, in his mental faculties would have allowed him to really be the brains of this operation. I believe he was just there as like the sign off man because he a, is the commander in chief. That's a different show, but basically, you know, I think that was more towards the later years of his presidency when he first got in office. Well, no, this probably... is, this is also, cause he, this is, this is a second term. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Like the, yeah. yeah like we're in the mid eighties. This is, this is, this is eight, we're at 85. Oh, Marty, three years that's, old. Jesus. That's why, that's um, why I'm thinking that his, his, his compliance to going along with this is not born so you out think of like he wakes up 80. on Monday you, and he gives if, weapons if you guys, to Iran and then he wakes if, up on Monday. I don't think guys, he weighed this out. I don't think he weighed out the, the consequences if this well, actually if, got caught. If Well, if you if you let me go through this, we could we can make a more you know, no, Steve. argument no. about this. Cause, no, no. Cause, I want to make a decision knowing This is going to be a three-hour podcast <laughs> if, if Steve interjects every time. It's happening, bro. They say a point. Deal with it. <laughs> go ahead. Um, go ahead. So, and, and part of this new plan is that Israel will continue to be um, reimbursed for the weapons that they're that they're trading to Iran. Oh my okay. god! Um, so the the Secretary <laughs> so of State stupid. George Schultz um, and the the Secretary of Defense. I misspoke, saying Point Dexter was the Secretary of Defense. Um, the Secretary of Defense, Casper Weinberger. Um, they they. Um, they they're opposed to this because they say um, quote unquote um, that we we were not trading arms for hostages nor were we negotiating with terrorists. Wait what? What? <laughs> Wait what? That's, isn't that like flagrant? <laughs> isn't that like flagrantly bullshit though? <laughs> or is there a level of plausible deniability well, they can get away with? Well, they're they're, they're that's why they're opposed to it because they say like. Because they say they don't want to be trading arms. They're not saying that's not what we're doing. They're saying they don't want like, to do it. Okay. They don't want to be trading arms for hostages. We're negotiating with terrorists, which is essentially what the Reagan administration is doing. Yeah, we're not saying we're not doing it. We're just saying we don't want to do it. <laughs> on on December seventh, nineteen eighty five, Weinberger writes in his uh, writes in his meeting notes. Um, I argued strongly that we have an embargo that makes arms sales to Iran illegal. 
and president shouldn't violate it, and that washing transactions through Israel wouldn't make it legal. Um, Schultz, Don Regan agreed. Huh. Um, and, and Weinberger also notes Reagan saying, quote unquote, he could answer charges of legality, but he couldn't answer charge that big, strong President Reagan passed up a chance to free hostages. So Reagan is essentially arguing that he'll he'll he's willing to go to court over the legality of what he's doing, but he doesn't want to be seen as weak. And again, well, coming back to the hostages thing, because he didn't even really, quote unquote, rescue the hostages before when he first got into office and everybody said, oh, Reagan rescued the hostages. Like that was something that the ball was already rolling on. So he just kind of. But you have to understand that it. this is all public, public perception. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is he's trying to do it again now. He's trying to be like, well, he's, uh, he's, we'll yeah, take credit, but we're not selling guns for that. I'm just going to take credit for it, though. Um, right? Well, no. What he's what he's saying is is that he'll he'll he's yes. willing because he believes that they're freeing hostages this way. So he's willing to like go to court over what they're doing um, because it because if he doesn't do this, he's going to lose the support of his base because they're going to say he's weak for not getting the hostages back. So I I misspoke earlier and said that Point Dexter had become Secretary of Defense when Point Dexter actually becomes National Security Advisor. Um, because hot, the hot, former hot. national because sec- the former national security advisor uh, McFarland, the the one who resigned, um, he flies to London um, to meet with the Israelis and uh, Gorbanifar um, in, in order to sort of attempt um, to to get the Iranians to release the hostages um, before any arms transactions occur. Um, but the but the Iranians reject this. You know, Gor- Gorbanifar says like he won't accept this. Huh. That's okay. Um, so on the day of uh, McFarland's resignation, um, Oliver North, uh, um, uh, who at that point was just uh, a military North. aide, <laughs> aide on the National Security Council, um, he sort of comes up with a plan that instead of selling a, a weapons to Iran um, through Israel that they would sell them directly as a markup, and then that they would use the money that they made from selling these arms to fund the Contra guerrillas. Wow. So so he comes so, up with this so, brilliant idea, but who signs off on it? The Reagan administration essentially does. So that means that Reagan signed off on it, right? We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of get to that, okay. um, because... Reagan, Reagan will say it multiple times that he did agree to it, but during like the actual trials and, and sort of the Senate hearings, um, he, he says he has no recollection of uh, those events. Well, I can't, I can't quite remember. He doesn't have recollection of a lot of things, like Nancy Reagan's birthday. Come on, man. I'm sorry, <laughs> who? Nancy who? <laughs> I don't have a sister. <laughs> it's not, it's, you know what's funny is like it's funny, but it's not funny to make fun of his his actual mental decline and i think it's just absurd that that he was allowed to go on when it was so clear that he had well, a mental decline you know well ronald reagan is a terrible human being regardless you won't get any argument out of me but i i still you should not feel bad this, about making fun i just of that have this big decline. i have a hang up about mental health uh the way we treat mental health you know some family Which stuff you, going okay, on so, there 
If, if you want to get upset about something, you should get upset about the people that enabled him to stay in that position, knowing full well that he had cognitive deficiencies that would prevent him from being a good president. Right, um, right. Those are the people you should be upset at. Not his actual mental decline, because his mental decline was made worse by the fact that he kind of leaned into it, and he did not try to shy away from it, saying, I'm not ready for this, I'm, I'm not feeling this. He was enabled by everybody around him, yeah. and he was an awful human being. With that being said... If you don't want to be made fun of after death, don't be a bad person in life. Uh, yeah, no, I can get behind you on that. I can get behind you on that. And I feel yeah, like it's there's, also there's being reason, parallel today. There's a reason why they did that, and it was to use him. Um, right. But so a lot of the power is is sort of handed over, um, reportedly from from Point Dexter to Colonel North. Um, and oh, Lee North. <laughs> and and two American historians, Malcolm Byrne and, and Peter Cornblah. Uh, um, they, they argued in their writing, um, who made the most of the situation, often deciding important matters on his own, striking outlandish deals with the Iranians, and acting in the name of the president on issues that were far beyond his competence. All of these activities continued to take place within the framework of the president's broad authorization. Until the press is reported on the existence of the operation, nobody in the administration questioned the authority of Point Dexter and North's team to implement the president's decision. Holly North. Holly <clears throat> North. Ah, He's a true North. patriot. <laughs> so, so North first proposes that they put a $15 million markup on their on their sale um and the the arms dealer gorbanafar that they're mainly dealing with he added a 41 percent markup of his own so we're talking about 56 percent markup right now weapons well no i don't i don't i don't know how much um well, how much the full deal was it was really 86 percent because uber eats takes 30 percent <laughs> Because that's that's fifteen and the Danes, million. They're 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 charging like fucking five million dollars for delivery. Ron well, is arriving in a Toyota Tercel with your weapons. He'll be there in thirty six minutes. Feel free to tip him or I, leave instructions. Because they said I, I said fifteen million dollars, not fifteen percent. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So so Gorbanafar is adding on a forty one percent. How do you deal with us? You know, We're fucking dumb. How do you deal with us? Gorbanafar is you know he's got the ticket master level like. Uh. He's he's adding a forty one percent markup on the sale. Jesus Christ! Ticket master. Okay. Good lord! I love that. Um, other other members of the Security Council were in favor of this plan, and so Point Exter authorizes it, but he doesn't really notify President Reagan um, before it goes into effect. So is this where that, what did the president know and when did he know it? Is that kind of where this is simmering Yeah, so we'll, 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 right get, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah, um, this is kind of where it starts simmering this, right This here. is where it starts getting, like, muddy. Okay. Um, so at first, the Iranians, like, they, they reject this um, because the, the price is pretty inf- inflated, but they, they relent eventually, and in February of 1986, a um, thousand tow missiles are shipped to Iran. Oof. And, and from May to November of that year, um, there are additional shipments made of, of just different uh, weapons and parts. Um, so, and this is all to circumvent the Boland administration, or the Boland Amendment, which is set up to sort of prevent the Reagan administration um, from arming the Contra guerrillas. So, and that's basically what the Boland Amendment says, just basically you can't arm the Contras? Yeah, so it essentially restricted their abilities to arm certain movements in countries, mainly the Contras. Gotcha. The, the, um, the, the Boland with, Amendment says that approval. you can't move weapons 
without consulting the avatar first. Okay. <laughs> that you shouldn't just be moving weapons around anyway. Like that just tends to lead to not great outcomes. And and going back to what I mentioned sort of at the beginning of the podcast, administration officials were arguing, you know, that regardless of Congress's attempts to restrict like how they could fund the Contras, that they were still capable of doing it without using funds that came from Congress. I mean, you can um, rules lawyer anything, so. Yes, and this this sort of comes up with one of their first big bungles, which is um, when when they were sort of laundering the money, um, they they were doing like one of the countries they would use was Brunei and the Sultan of Brunei, and and North Secretary, a, a woman named Fawn Hall, um, she incorrectly tramp, um, transposed the numbers of North's Swiss bank account. Oops. Um, so. <laughs> A, a Swiss, a, a Swiss businessman, suddenly got ten million dollars. Whoops! And that's a lot of money. When, when he found <laughs> out that ten million dollars had been put into his account, um, the the authorities um, authorities were alerted to the mistake, and eventually the money was returned. Steve, and, Steve, and, he should have kept that money because I have it on good Facebook post authority that if <laughs> Amazon accidentally wires you a million dollars, that it's that that's it. You get to keep it. I've been, I've been told this to several times and say that if Amazon does send you something that you did not order and you call them and say that they will just tell you to keep it. Like well, they yeah, definitely it, sent me a lot of shit over the years that I didn't order like in with my packages. And I'm like, what is this? And they're just like, keep it, whatever. We legally, you have to, you have to give money back. That's, that's falsely transferred into your bank account and like that. Um, I'm just talking about products. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just saying in, in the in, in terms of like banking, if you suddenly get like a million dollars in your bank account, don't don't like touch it because you'll you'll have to like pay that back. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the Sultan of Brunei is eventually like given back the money with with interest. So this is like the first like public mistake that they've made. That that sort of like it's not big news, but if you're sort of like following the breadcrumbs of like strange things going on. This this is something that pops up, you know. That this this Swiss businessman suddenly gets ten million dollars, um, and and that's not normal. All of a sudden, things are on the radar now. So, in in January seventh of nineteen eighty six, um, Point Dexter goes to Reagan and he proposes they modify the plan, um, so that instead of um, that instead of like negotiating with a moderate Iranian political group, that they should negotiate with moderate members of the Iranian government. Um, and and Point Dexter um, sort of argues to Reagan, you know, that Gorbanifar, the guy they've been dealing with, has like connections within the Iranian government, um, so that if they go through him instead of going through like the broader government. They, they can sort of get backroom deals to get the hostages released, and, and Reagan approves this. Okay. Um, so in, in February of 1986, um, they ship weapons again um, as, as part of, like, North's plan, um, but, but no hostages are released. <coughs> um, and, <laughs> and former National Security Advisor McFarlane, um, he goes on another, like, sort of, like, goodwill trip. Um, and he goes to Tehran, um, and he brings with him a gift of a Bible that has a handwritten inscription by Ronald Reagan. And read which her to Bible. Me, <laughs> and, which to me seems like a like a like a poor move. And, it's a very and also, brain dead move. And, and according to um, George Cave, 
um, that a, a cake baked in the shape of a key, um, which which is apparently a, a joke um, between like North and, and Gorbanovar, according to uh, Howard Teacher, who is another guy um, involved in all this. I get it. Okay. I get it. It's a, I guess it's a good so joke. is the key. It's a good joke. I get it. You didn't even have to say. Um, it. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so uh, Mc, McFarlane meets with these these officials. Um, and, and he tries to get these four remaining hostages released. Okay. That's a noble goal. Um, and the, the delegation is comprised of, of McFarlane, um, North, uh, uh, Cave, who's a retired CIA officer um, who has experience in Iran, um, the aforementioned teacher, um, and Israeli diplomat um, Amaram Nir, and a CIA translator. Got to have um, a translator. They, <laughs> they, they, arrive in, they arrive in Iran... Um, using forged Irish passports on Aww. May 25th, 1986. Assholes. I just want to just point out, I would not trust being a translator, period, because I feel like that's going to be the person who's going to get shot and killed when like these illegal deals are over because you know too much, you know both sides of everything, you could testify and just sink everybody. Not a good well, career path, I feel like. Well, tr- translators don't like say word for word what you're saying like obviously you can't you can't translate word for word from one language into another no for sure like, for sure but again but they understand right, listen, the point Steve, trying to be made back and forth i just yeah, but no, i just no, spoke no, to the lady at wawa in italian today okay so <laughs> clearly i was able to get my english into italian all right no i'm just surprised that putin's translator no. for trump has not just mysteriously disappeared because remember like he's had plenty of meetings where it's just those two and one translator and i'm like well, man Man, <laughs> well, he was he was ready to to send Sarah Huckabee Sanders to uh, Kim Jong Un to to join his like Damn. the worst harem ever. His harem, yeah, um, yeah the worst harem ever. I I, uh, I told Nancy to go see Yeltsin. He was going to be the up and coming, <laughs> the up and coming thing. You know, take one for the team. <laughs> take one for the Gipper. So this this sort of delegation secretly arrives in Iran, um, and it goes pretty badly. Um, McFarlane is, is pretty disgusted because, um, he doesn't really meet with any, like, ministers. He only meets with sort of, like, what he describes as third and fourth level officials. Damn. Um, um, McFarlane at one point gets so mad that he just sort of exclaims, as I am a minister, I expect to meet with decision makers. Otherwise, you can work with my staff. Oh, goddamn. Oh, so he was was Um, an egomaniac. (laughs) The well, he he's just mad because you know this is supposed to be a high level negotiation, and he's getting like the guy at the DMV instead of you know like someone from the governor's office. Oh, like like this is supposed to be like a secret like high level political negotiation, but instead he's like he's like talking to the assistant of the assistant like minister of like just a shitty salesman, dude. You gotta get past the gatekeeper. Um, (laughs) So. The Iranians, the Iranians, for uh, for instance, want concessions from Israel. They want Israel to withdraw from the Golan Heights, which the United States rejects. Um, and also, M- McFarlane, who who's not really keen on the whole like weapons trades that they're making, um, he refuses to give them parts for Hawk missiles. Um, until the Iranians have Hezbollah release the American hostages. See, now that's more reasonable. And. The Iranians want the opposite to happen. They want the they want the parts for the weapons to be sent first, and then they'll release the hostages. Not bullshit. That's not how things work. That's not how things work. Um, no. 
so after these after these sort of negotiations go on, they they go on for about four days, um, and the mission goes home. <laughs> um, and, and when they get back, McFarlane advises Reagan to not talk to, to not talk to the Iranians anymore. He he essentially says, you know, that we can't we can't deal with them. Um, and Reagan, of course, ignores this advice. Of course, because he doesn't even remember it. Like the next day. Well, what? Huh? Who? <laughs> Who? In, who? In, on, on July 26, 1986, um, Hezbollah frees one of its hostages, um, Father Lawrence Jenko, um, who was the former head of Catholic Relief Services Jenko, in Lebanon. The trucks given by your father. Bro, the jeans, the Jenko yeah, jeans. Yeah, no, that's from uh, Godfather 2, when uh, he owns Jenko Oil. Or import, Jenko importers. Get the fuck off my podcast. <laughs> I've only seen the one true Godfather, which is the Godfather Three. That's like me saying I don't know who Larry Bird is, and you're born in Boston. Yeah, you know. I'll kill you. <laughs> well, this is the Larry Bird episode. It's shout out. Yeah, because I believe Larry Bird was. Uh, what was he? Oh, he's number thirty-three. Two more episodes. Who was number thirty-one? Was that Patrick Ewing? No, he was thirty-four. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Patrick, Patrick was thirty-four. Ewing. Bird was thirty-three. I don't know Basketball who's thirty-one. Number thirty-one. Who was that? Jason Terry, the Dallas Mavericks. That's the classic one I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> who who could forget him? Um, <laughs> All so, respect to Jason Terry. Crush me. He's the one that had the headband, right? The sweatband around his head. All the time? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, I know who. No, he is. that's not him. <laughs> Ah, oh, I don't know who he is. Burr, 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 burr. So, so following the release of of Jenko, you're thinking of Jason uh, William Kidd. Casey. No, that is Jason Terry. You're right. Yay! Sorry, Steve. It was very important for me to interrupt you to make sure this basketball player got his due. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so, w- William Casey is the head of the CIA. Um, he requests that the United States authorize sending a shipment of like small missile parts um, to Iran as a sort of way of expressing gratitude. <laughs> Uh, I wish um, somebody would and, send me a couple tow missiles and, as a way of Casey, expressing gratitude. <laughs> and, and Casey justifies this as well by saying, you know, that if they don't do this, um, that the the Iranian government might might lose face, um, and, and their contact might be like executed or hostages might be killed. They threw um, that one in, and, in and second, Reagan, did they? <laughs> hey, and, listen, hey, Ryan, I really make us appreciate real bad for me last week. Someone might die too. I mean. Well, no, no, the Iranian government might look bad and then just might kill somebody because of it is their argument. Oh, I totally misinterpreted that. Holy shit. Not that the U.S. government will look bad, that the Iranian government would lose face. I appreciate what you did for me last week. Here's a couple uh, anti-tank missiles for you if you want to just store those in your garage. Those are yours. Do whatever Um, you want to do. And and so Reagan Reagan authorizes this, and then – North sort of uses this to persuade Reagan that they should move over to a policy instead of, like, you know, giving arms for them to release all the hostages at once, that they should do a one-for-one deal instead of, like, an all-or-nothing deal, which they had been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this point, too, um, they've gotten tired of of working with Gobanifar because he's... They they begin to see him as being dishonest, and he's kind of playing, like, both sides against each other to his own advantage. Well, let's face it. I mean, uh, some of these countries are actually. Let's let me let me back up. All of these countries are basically playing. Uh, I'm not making light of anything here, but like a zero sum game, right? Like they want. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Well, when I, when I say that he's playing both sides, I mean he's playing it for personal gain. He's not playing it for Iran's game. He's playing Iran in the United States for his own like uh, commercial game. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's playing him against one another. Uh, like okay. he's like I remember he how he did like, that forty one percent markup. Like like, he's he's looking out for like he's he's Iranian, but he's but he's Gorbani first or, or Gabonafar first. Yeah. Um. So in in August of nineteen eighty six. They, they establish a, a new contact who is a man named Ali Hashimi uh, Barabani, um, who is the nephew of the, the president, former, or at that time the president of Iran, um, Akbar Hashimi uh, Rafsanjani. He's his nephew, and he's also, um, he's also an officer in the Revolutionary Guard. Did you say his name was Ali? Ali uh, Hashemi, yes. Okay, I'm thinking O L L I E, Ollie, like not A L I. Like, <laughs> I was yes. like, wow, look at all these cross references. <laughs> Can't ever trust a man named Oliver. Nancy, don't ever trust a man named Oliver. Uh, um, and not even Oliver Twist. What about Oliver Hardy, bro? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Get off my podcast. <laughs> what about Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow? I don't watch um, uh, superhero movies. I don't know. Well, it, it's a. I'm telling you more about the comic. I don't. I don't watch that CW garbage. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, and laying I it down. We just got our first tape. I just got our. I'm first not tape turning now. on the goddamn CW. <laughs> Smallville, fuck you. Um, so they they're sort of like feeling good about dealing with uh. Baramani, because Baramani is in the Revolutionary Guard, and the Revolutionary Guard is like the body of the Iranian government that that is connected to like international terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they see this more as somebody who could better influence like Iran's um, policies. And and North he's is a like, terrorist. Well, no, like it's like that general, um, like like Soleimani, the general that the yeah. United States killed. He was yeah. in the Revolutionary Guard. These are the guys. Like they're sort of the personal army of the clerics of Iran of, of the Ayatollah. Yeah, and they're I the they were ones just like special forces. Well, no, they're they're also like gangsters. Like they also uh, sort of launder money. They own businesses. They're the people who are arming and training like Hezbollah and all like the the uh, Shia uh, the Shia militias that are in Iraq. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, but but North is so like impressed um, <laughs> with with uh, Baramani. That, that he also um, he arranges to give him a secret visit to Washington D.C. and a guided tour um, of the White House at midnight. A t- a t- wait, <laughs> a terrorist, North, a terrorist leader. <laughs> yeah, like uh, a like an Iranian, like an Iranian, like military officer in the Revolutionary Guard that regularly deals with terrorists attacking American interests. Okay, but like let's not forget. A, a, let's not forget Al Qaeda and ISIS were invited to fucking Camp David. So. <laughs> I mean, only the only the Taliban was invited to Camp David. I thought Al Qaeda and leaders no, of was, ISIS were invited to Camp David as well. I would almost no, bet only, anything on that. No, it was that. only the Taliban who was invited okay, even to worse Camp though, David. Still, the fucking Taliban. Yeah, I don't think on, I, ISIS was never taken uh, seriously as a legitimate power, and and yeah. and, uh, and Al Qaeda was always a terrorist organization, so they were never going to be invited. But the Taliban makes sense. Yeah, because they were actually a um, legitimate government, despite how fucked up they were. Yes. They're they're still they're they're still technically claimed to be the legitimate government of of Afghanistan. But I thought the um, Taliban were just terrorists. Like, 
if you well, want no, to just call it, like get down to brass tacks, they were nothing but terrorists. Well, they were the they were the the governors and facilitators of of like Afghanistan until the U.S. invasion. Right, like if you went to they, Afghanistan uh, before the Iraq okay. War. That it was, was they were the government. Yeah. See, this is how fucked up the United States is as a as a product of this timeline growing up yeah. of like the 90s and 2000s. I think the Taliban is a fucking terrorist organization yeah. when in reality they were actually a governmental Bro, like a, a I don't want to start another thing, but by design, <sighs> by design and on purpose. There's a reason why you think that. That's so fucked it up. Is. I appreciate you guys bringing that to my attention that they're actually a government body not just terrorists. i can't think of an episode where i haven't learned like 20 things or at least flipped one thing in my head where steve was just like oh this and i'm like get the fuck out of this because every time we talk about the taliban not just us but like in life anytime i talk about the taliban or hear about the taliban i think of just extremists and yeah. terrorists i don't well, they, think they, about they are they are body. extremists oh yeah they're definitely they extremists no yeah. but when i say extremist i mean like isil ISIS okay. extremists blowing shit up, killing innocent people for no reason. Fucking you know Sterling like, Archer. That's what I think of when you say Taliban. Um, so I so, appreciate you straightening that for me. So North would frequently uh, meet with uh, with his new buddy um, Baramani um, in in West Germany as sort of like an intermediary uh, space for them to do it in um, throughout the summer and fall of 1986. Um, and and during that time they would discuss um, the arms sales. Um, freeing of hostages that were held by Hezbollah, and also like how best they could um, overthrow um, Saddam Hussein and, and sort of establish a, a non-hostile regime in Baghdad. Hmm. Okay. In in September and October of 1986, um, three more Americans um, named Frank Reed, um, Joseph uh, Sisipio, and Edward Tracy would be abducted. Um, in Lebanon by a separate terrorist group. Um, and this terrorist group only referred to them as, like, G.I. Joe. <laughs> okay. Um, and no one's really sure um, why they were kidnapped, but, but the sort of the, the reason, the it's speculated that it was done um, to, to sort of replace Americans that had been freed um, from the terrorists in Lebanon. <laughs> So they're trying to have a zero-sum ending. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll release a couple hostages, but we're just going to grab a couple more. So whatever y'all want to do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so one, oh my God. one of the original hostages is later released, uh, David Jacobson. Um, and they, they promised to release the remaining two, but, but the release never happened. Um, so uh, during a secret meeting in Frankfurt in October of 1986, um, North told... Uh, Baramani that Saddam Hussein must go. Um, North also claims that Ronald Reagan t- told him to tell Baramani that Saddam Hussein is an asshole. Jesus Christ. So did he have any reasons for this when he said Saddam Hussein must go? Like, why? Uh, because uh, Iran wants him gone. And the United States isn't really like a fan of Saddam Hussein because he's he was Soviet-aligned. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Um, how many times so, did we go to war to try to get him out of there? Twice? Three times? And what what eventually happens is that during during the meeting, um, a, a secret meeting that happens in Mainz, Germany, um, Baramani tells North that his his uncle, uh, Rafsanjani, the president of Iran, has said, quote-unquote, for his own politics, decided to get all the groups involved to give them a role to play. 
So now the, the United States government. League? So the United States <laughs> government is dealing with sort of like all the factions in the Iranian government jointly now. Um, oh my god! So that and, and he does this because he doesn't want there to be an internal war in Iran. So so he involves like everybody in this. All right, guys. I don't want uh, there to be an internal Americans war want. in the United States. So I'm going to invite uh, the Black Lives Matter. I'm going to invite the KKK. I'm going to invite <laughs> Republicans and Democrats. I'm going to invite Antifa and Fa. Um, I'm just going to invite y'all so we can all have talks. So that there's not a real big blow. What the fuck? I <laughs> I understand why you said this is the dumbest yeah, shit. Yeah. Okay. World. I this understand so you're inviting stupid. these organizations, but why is the AARP here? <laughs> Well, we have oh, to no, invite that's, AARP. That's not the AARP. That's the just the president. Held... He's very old. No, 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 no. That is the AARP. We had to invite well, them when we invited everybody that had AAA uh, insurance or that AAA coverage. Let me ask you a question. Because the AARP think... felt like they were being singled out because they have two A's, but right. AAA has three, so we had to invite them. That's a good point. You think when Ronald Reagan was drunk, he was hilarious? Like, well, like everything got slurred out. Um, <laughs> Anyway, these are things so, I think about. The the Americans are obviously not happy with this because throughout all this time, you know, the the sort of the the Americans involved in this have been lying to themselves saying, you know, that they're not dealing with the the extremist branches of the Iranian government like the extremist factions are dealing with the moderates. Um, Americans lying to themselves? I don't believe Steve, it. Steve, what but, the but fuck now, was the purpose of all this? I don't get it. But now because they're dealing with like all of them they, they can't really lie to themselves in saying, like, we're only making these deals with the moderate factions to, to like, sort of have them influence Iran to come over to America. Uh, the reason they did it is because uh, Ronnie Reagan thought that the Contras were the moral equal of the founding fathers and would do anything to fucking support them and get the Sandinistas out of Nicaragua. Yeah, that that and there's also this, like, sort of, like, dumb belief that they can eventually win Iran over. To what? And that's to an actual what? quote, by like the way. The like Reagan state? really like, thought were the... they were equivalent to the founding fathers. Well, that, that they quote. could turn Iran into a U.S. ally. Oh my God! That that was sort of their idea, and sort of helping the Contras as well. Like Ronald Reagan did say that he felt that the Contras were like the founding fathers, which you know, is these guys that are like raping up. and murdering their way fucked across up. So fucked Nicaragua. Up. <laughs> That's like, okay, that's like this jacket I saw on Facebook recently that somebody had put a patch on there that said, R.I.P. Jimmy Seville. I was like, um. What? Mm, did you? Re- yeah, did you re- I don't, I I don't think, think that was you, ironic. Did you report that? <laughs> it was not ironic. I've turned into a total narc <laughs> about shitty clothes like that. There was a um, lot of patches on this jacket that was very questionable, and I was just like, wow, okay. Jesus. So the negotiations, even though, like, they're dealing with all these like factions, like all of the factions now. Um, the the talks are still going on. And what happens is that on October fifth, nineteen eighty six, um, the the Contra operation is kind of blown wide open when um, when a when a plane that is delivering guns to Nicaragua is shot down. Um, I heard this flight was this. corporate yeah. air service. HPF 821. Shot down by a young Keith Hernandez who hits a massive dinger <laughs> the year the Mets won the World Series. Um, so the, the, on, the, on the plane are, are two pilots, uh, Wallace Buzz Sawyer and William Cooper, and a Nicaraguan nationalist um, radio operator named Freddy uh, Vilchez, who both died when their plane crashed. 
the 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 soldier that shot them down was using a a Soviet uh, made SA seven um, anti aircraft missile launcher. Hmm. The only survivor of this flight is Eugene uh, Hassenfuss, ah, who was who was the he was, was a called? marine. He's well, a he marine. A, He's he loyal. Was a, he was he was a former <laughs> marine. He was what is called a, a kicker. And his job on the aircraft was to sort of push, you know, the crates of guns out of the plane. <laughs> okay. And the reason why he survived is because he was, like, already on, like, the door of the plane, and he also had a parachute in case he fell out. Did he, like, jump out when he realized he got shot down? Did he, like, immediately jump out and just pulls ripcord? Pretty much. We... Okay, okay, okay. Um, and the, the aircraft had been carrying um, its inventory with 60 collapsible AK-47 rifles, 50,000 AK-47 rifle cartridges, several dozen RPG-7 grenade launchers, and 150 pairs of jungle boots. Jesus fucking Christ. You can literally make an army with that. Um, Hassenfuss was captured within 24 hours um, by Nicaraguan um, authorities, um, and he, he sort of does a press conference where he says that two of his co-workers, Max Gomez um, and Ramon Medina, um, worked for the CIA, though he would later say he did not know whether or not they did. Um, Man, but so these guys just himself, got up there and fucking lied. Well, <laughs> well, they might have done because this was a CIA operation, and Hassenfuss himself was a veteran of the Air America program. And the Air America program was a program where they armed um, militant groups in Laos and Vietnam during that conflict like sort of like the the Hmong and other groups and, and sort of with with weapons uh, discreetly I'm really surprised the United States hasn't learned its lesson about arming people yet it'll and, happen eventually it'll click and they'll be like wow and, we should probably stop doing this but until then huh. and and from the plane um, they're able to recover the log books of the flight and it further connects them to the Southern Air Transport um, Company which was a known CIA front company. It, it was a company that had been like a CIA front since like the 50s. Um, Hassenfuss is convicted of, of terrorism-related charges in Nicaragua, and he's sentenced to 30 years in prison, um, but he's eventually pardoned a month later and allowed to return um, to Wisconsin. Um, and this is done after um, U.S. Senator Chris Dodd and, and others sort of campaign the government to release him. Um, by having the Sandinistas exchange, um, exchange or having the Contras exchange captured Sandinista soldiers for his release, um, and the U.S. government denies, you know, this at first, you know, that that the the flights were CIA backed, um, but but investigations uh, later on sort of say that yes, this was a CIA uh, flight that was delivering these weapons. Um, and this is sort of when people begin really seeing that, you know, there is this Iran-Contra affair coming up. They, they, they see this happening, and, and they sort of begin to look into it. Because not, not a month after this, on November 5th, 1986, um, a senior member of the Iranian um, National Guard, um, or the, the Iranian um, Islamic Revolutionary Guard, um, Mehdi uh, Hashemi, um, he leaks in Lebanon to a magazine called Ashira uh, that the secret arms agreements are going on between the Iranian government and the U.S. And it's sort of be- and it's sort of believed that this leak might have been orchestrated. Well, Steve, um, is that by, the first time by the U.S. 
What? Is that the first... I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to ask. Is that the first time that it's been leaked? Yes, that the U.S. is doing it. So we didn't... So the public... I'm, I'm making a point here. The public did not know that we were doing that until this time. Like we're talking about it, very matter of fact. But the American yes, public it was didn't all. Know. This was all done secretly. That's fucking like crazy. not even Congress. Not even Congress knows. Oh this is happening. my like, no god! One. And so that's that's is, where you get in big trouble when you don't even let Congress know. Because this has been this has been at least uh, a year before before it gets leaked. Which, by the way, so, people so, is a long fucking time. You know, when we're talking, we're talking about history. Like sometimes it seems like we're just swapping over years. You know, like earlier in the podcast, I was getting frustrated because Steve was flying by. But like, that's a long fucking time. A year is a long time. So it's not short. We'll just put it that way. It's not short. It's, it's believed that this leak might have been orchestrated um, by by Arthur S. Uh, Moreau, who was um, an assistant. Assistant to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, of, uh, Joint Chiefs of Chiefs of Staff, um, because he believed that the scheme, like this Iran Contra scheme, had like grown out of control, and that he wanted it exposed so it could be stopped. Uh, it absolutely was out of control. <laughs> so this is this is like I said, the first public like report of of the weapons for hostages deal. Okay. Um, the Iranian government um, confirms the story. Um, uh, on November 15th, um, and President Reagan appears on national television um, on November 13th before this to sort of um, set the record straight. And he says, um, and this is Reagan speaking, my purpose was to send a signal that the United States was prepared to replace the animosity between the U.S. and Iran with a new relationship. Hmm. At the same time we undertook this initiative, we made clear that Iran must oppose all forms of international terrorist, terrorism as a condition of progress in our relationship. The most significant step which Iran could take, we indicated, would be to use its influence in Lebanon to secure the release of all hostages held there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and th- this was further made worse um, when Oliver North begins destroying or hiding documents related to the scandal on November 21st and November 25th. Oh, Lee North. That's a true patriot right there. Um, so uh, during Oliver North's trial, which takes place in 1989, which we're not going to like detail really um, for a number of reasons. Because um, it's long his, as shit, wasn't it? His, well, well, essentially what happens, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but um, it, it, it gets sort of like done away with like it doesn't matter it, it never goes to full trial gotcha. um okay. so uh during his trial in 1989 um his secretary uh fawn hall who i mentioned earlier um she testified uh that she had helped north alter shred and remove um national security council documents from the white house um and uh, according to, uh, the new york times found that during this period of where they were like destroying documents, that they had shoved enough documents into the the shredder that it had jammed. <coughs> like like they're destroying <laughs> documents at such a volume and speed that the that the paper shredder is jamming. So basically, they're putting too much paper in at once because if you just do too much overall, it overheats. Not well, that I we, have destroyed documents before, but if you just do too many overall, yeah, it, it overheats. Too much at once is the jam. But but this is also like. 
This is the guy like flushing weed down his toilet because the cops are knocking on his door. This is like, <laughs> this is like, it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like he's probably like screaming at his secretary, like, but oh, it jabs. Go like, faster, stu- go faster. You stupid bitch. You killed us all. <laughs> he's a motherfucker whipping out a fucking lighter fluid and a lighter trying to get rid of things faster. <laughs> and, and he claims, he claims that he destroyed these documents to protect the lives of individuals who had been involved in, in the operations they were doing. Shut the fuck up, Ollie. You lying um, bitch. And, and we wouldn't know what was like in his personal notebooks um, until they were made public in 1993 um, after what was called the National Security Archive and, um, and Public Citizen um, sued the office of the Independent Council under the Freedom of Information Act. So he had to provide them by law. Got him. Um, and during that trial that, that North has... Um, he testifies that on November 21st, 22nd, um, or 24th, um, he witnessed um, Admiral Poindexter destroy um, what may have been the only presidentially signed uh, covert action finding that authorized them to sell the Hawk missiles to Iran. Motherfucker. <clears throat> okay, but why would you destroy that? If that's what is the only thing right there that is going to save your ass, why would you... Well, no, it doesn't. It. it doesn't save it. It doesn't save his ass. It, it like it, it incriminates the president. He's already incriminated. He's destroying it so that the president isn't involved. Once again, why are you trying to? Well, because right, he's so a, just kind of goes because he's a fucking why would you, Is basically what it comes down. He's to. a true fucking patriot. He's a patriot. All the north. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the reasons why conservatives like worship these like guys. Because they like destroyed evidence to protect their their dumb boss. Oh, Lee North, <laughs> fucking hate this guy so much. Um, He's so goddamn and, stupid. And on on November twenty fifth, U.S. Attorney General Edward Meese or Edwin Meese, um, he said that he publicly said that the profits of sales from weapons to Iran um, have been made have been used to assist the Contra rebels in Nicaragua. Straight up says it. Um, on that same day. Uh, Admiral Point Dexter resigns, and Ronald Reagan fires all over North. Oh, Ollie, you were a true patriot um, to the end. Prince Ali. destroying Point. documents is he, Ollie North. Uh. <laughs> and and Point Dexter would be replaced by uh, Frank Carlucci on December second, nineteen eighty. By Sid Vicious. Frank Carlucci. <laughs> Isn't he the guy that does like the Madden impression on Mad Team? Oh no, that's Frank Collins. <laughs> he, you know, it's real interesting. He uh, transferred a career in government straight to uh, impressionism on Fox Sports. <laughs> now here's a guy who, uh, when he puts his here, you know, here's in, a he guy can see better. I can't do a Madden. <laughs> um, so when this when this story breaks. Um, a lot of constitutional scholars are, are very upset by this because it shows that, you know, that the National Security Council, notice the name Council, had, had gone beyond just being a, a body that helped the president formulate foreign policy to, to an actual, like, operational body. Right. It became, it became um, like, a, a functional, like, organization within the U.S. government yeah, it be- that wasn't voted for. Well, mm-hmm. it, well yeah. it was a functional the thing, it just didn't have the power. It wasn't intended to actually do anything other than, you know, advise the president. That's really fucked gotcha. up. That hence, is really hence, fucked up. Hence the name council. Like, that's that's the emphasis there on council. That's really yeah. fucked um, up. So, the, the National Security Act of 1947 
um, which created the NSC, um, it, it gave it the right to quote unquote perform such action or perform such other functions and duties related to the intelligence as the United as the National Security Council may from time to time direct. Um, okay. And, and so you, normally it was just supposed to be like they would just inform the president of how he should act. Um, and, and people were alarmed because this is like the first biggest case of this happening. Um, but it, but an American historian named James uh, Canham Klein, um, he asserted that it was not a departure from what had been like the norm in the past, um, but were but was sort of like the natural evolution of, of what he calls the quote unquote national security state. Okay. That because there are so many like sort of shadowy government agencies with with sort of multi million dollar budgets operating with little oversight um, from Congress, that they they can like sort of justify like doing anything. Those clowns in Congress did it again. <laughs> they did it again. Like because as as we've seen from this that the the NSC doesn't see the law as um, as, as an obstacle. That, that they can um, that that something they should uphold, but it's no because all they, that they have they to should, do is play the national security card, and that's a Trump card. That they, can do that they the should they be want. able to like circumvent. They they don't see the law as like that's our limit. They they see it as that's the obstacle we need to get around. Essentially, what, what they are is they are a uh, they're a hurdler, and uh, they're just trying to develop enough power under the jump to get over the hurdle of the law, essentially, mm-hmm. and then just keep running. Um, and and going back to I mentioned Bob Woodward was going to show up. He wrote a book Yay. called called In Veil: The Secret Bobby. Wars, The Secret Wars of the CIA, um, nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty seven. Um, he he sort of details how they funded um, the Contras and how it was sort of spearheaded by North. Good book. Have you have you did read he, this Did book? he wait to release this information? Too? I, I have not. Okay. Did um, he wait to release this information, <laughs> or did he release this as soon as he had it? Well, well, he released it because the book was out. Um, but <laughs> but this is this is sort of written after the fact. So remember, we're in we're in eighty seven, so this is released afterward. Um, okay. But during during writing this book, he meets with uh, the CIA director William J. Casey, um, who admitted to him that he was aware of like the funds that were going to the Contras. But this is somewhat like controversial. Um, because Casey had been hospitalized at that point because he had had a stroke, mm-hmm. um, and Casey's wife claims that he was unable to like adequately communicate. Um, wait, 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 wait. Do you mean like adequately communicate? As in at all? Like, uh, well, no. She's saying like, well, she's saying like he said like he's claiming he said that, but she's saying like, well, he just had a stroke, so he can't. You, you can't. My God. These fucking Koreans. Wow. They're disgusting. Um, so on May 6, 1987, um, which is the day after um, William Casey dies, um, Congress begins like the public hearings on Iran-Contra. Um, and the, the Independent Council um, on these uh, hearings, uh, Lawrence Welsh would later write, um, quote unquote, the Independent Council obtained no documentary evidence showing Casey knew about or approved the diversion. Um, the only direct testimony linking Casey to early knowledge of the diversion came from North. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, keep going. Um, so, so um, and, and I mentioned that too, 
that that Afghanistan sort of ties into this because Gustav Rakotos, who was the um, sort of like the CIA man on the arming of the Afghan rebels, um, the character played by Philip Seymour Hoffman in Charlie Wilson's War. I gotta see that. Oh um, yeah, you're a big okay. Hoffman fan, right, Steve? Yeah, I'm a Hoffman head. Yeah. You're a Hoffman. Um, yeah, I'm a Hoffer. So real quick, um, just to, just so we can get a, get a sense of the scope of the stupidity here. We countries involved, we have the United States, Nicaragua, Iran, Iraq, tangentially the Soviets. Um Well the the Soviets aren't involved. That's what I say tangentially, because the shit we do is because of them. So they're just kinda like tangentially there. They're kinda like the elephant in the room, right? In in a sense, they're sort of a motivating factor. Yeah, yeah. So the Soviets and and also the Danes, because they're DHL and our weapons around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say they're independent arms dealers. It's not the Danish government. Danes have luggage. Okay, so we got That's the what Danes. DHL stands for. Danes have luggage. And there were also there were also arms dealers from Sweden and other places. And Danish so Danish helicopter logistics. Like, so this is a worldwide thing. This is not just the United States, Iran, and Nicaragua. This is like everybody had their 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 ink or their pen in this ink, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so he he's he gets mad um, because because there was a diversion of funds allotted to the Afghan operation from this, um, and and he knows that it, like it's stupid what they're doing because all of his like Middle Eastern experts in the in like the Middle East like department of the CIA are saying that it's pointless to do what they're doing um, because the the moderates in Iran are in, like no position to actually like bring forth any sort of like challenge to the fundamentalists who are in control of it. Um, but he's eventually overruled by the director of covert operations, who's also involved in the Nicaragua operations, Claire George. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, on, on November 25th, 1986, um, Ronald Reagan announces the creation of a special review board um, to look into the Iran-Contra affair. Jesus um, Christ, what did he forget that he had he had a big part in this? <laughs> and, and he and he appoints Senator John Tower, um, former Senate Secretary of State Edmund Muskie, and former National Security Advisor Brent uh, Scowcroft um, to serve as members of this, which is um, which eventually releases the Tower Commission, or it becomes known as the Tower Commission. Is is that why they call it the Tower Commission? Because John yeah. Tower? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So th- the the main sort of objective of the commission is to inquire to quote-unquote the circumstances surrounding the Iran-Contra matter, other case studies that might reveal strengths and weaknesses in the operation of the National Security Council system under stress, and the manner in which that system has served eight different presidents since its inception in 1947. Yeah. Um, So this is like the first time that they've ever seriously uh, reviewed and evaluated the National Security Council. On December 2nd, 1986, Ronald Reagan appears in front of the Tower Commission um, to answer questions um, from the commission. Wait, wait, he testified? or? Well, he's, he's appearing in front of the commission because the whole idea of the commission is he's setting it up to, like, investigate it. Because um, he's okay. saying, like, these people in my administration were involved in this thing. I'm setting up a commission to look into what happened. And as part of this, I'm also appearing in front of the commission in order to be asked questions. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, so the, the commission is supposed to be like, it's supposed to be a, a bipartisan, objective commission of what happened. Um, 
And when he's asked about his role in the arm <laughs> deals... Bipartisan. <laughs> um, he first states that he knew about the deals, um, but later he, he says that he has no recollection of it. This is this is where you get from the fact where like they talk about Ronald Reagan being like visibly confused. This is the questioning session where he like contradicts himself and and like sort of gets like caught up on things. What? Where am I? Huh? Who? Um, in in his autobiography, which he writes in 1990, titled "An American Life," um, he acknowledges that he authorized the shipments to Israel. In January of 1987, Congress announces that they're opening an investigation into the Iran-Contra affair. This is because, you know, the Democrats control Congress and they don't trust the Tower Commission. In, on, February, on February 26th of 1987, um, the Tower Commission is, is published and delivered to the President, um, their report. Um, they interviewed 80 witnesses, in, including Reagan, um, and two of the, the arms middlemen that were used. Uh, Monachar, uh, Gorbanifar, and Adnan Khashoggi. And, and Adnan Khashoggi is like a public figure during this time period as well. Like, he's well known as being like a billionaire, like, arms dealer. Like, I, I think Adnan Khashoggi was one of the first, like, billionaires in the world. Really? Like, when he died, when he died in, like, 2016, I think, his, his like, listed value was, like, $4 billion. Damn. That's too much. Um, the The Tower Commission report was 200 pages long. Um, the most it was the most comprehensive of those released, um, and it criticized mainly the actions of Oliver North, John Poindexter, and Casper Weinberger. Um, it, it determined that Ronald Reagan had not known the extent of the program, um, especially about the the diversion of funds to the Contras. Um, Although it argued that the president, you know, should have had better control of the National Security Council and should have known this was going on. Um, and the report criticizes Reagan um, for not doing this. Um, so the general consensus of the, the Tower Commission is that Reagan should have listened to his national security advisor more um, instead of, you know, just delegating all of his powers to his national security advisor. Ah, it's just... <sighs> because he gave Point Dexter, like, free reign, um, th that's why this happened, not because, like, Reagan was, like, actually controlling things. I mean, is he controlling anything, for real? Like, even his mental faculties? Like... Oh, it's arguable during this period. Okay. And, and there's sort of an X factor I'll get to after we, uh, sort of at the end, That that's, like, very much of, like, the conspiracy theorist, um like fashion that's what i'm so, waiting for okay so in uh, on november 18th of 1987 uh congress releases their own report that states quote unquote if the president did not know what his national security advisors were doing he should have um and it also wrote that the president bore ultimate responsibility um for the actions of his aides and his administration exhibited quote unquote secrecy deception and a disdain for the law it also read, quote, it also said, quote unquote, the central remaining question is the role of the president in the Iran-Contra affair. Okay. Um, and, and so because because Point Dexter, North, um, and, and others had destroyed documents in case he had died, um, the record was left incomplete, so they couldn't really know. Mm -hmm. Is that true? 
Like, I mean, isn't he at least guilty of negligence? Well, that's what they're saying. Sleeping he's, on he's, his watch. He's guilty of negligence, but but in regards to like the law, that's that's like it's not a crime for him to be negligent. Well, that should change. Yeah. Um. So uh, on March fourth, nineteen eighty-seven, um, Reagan publicly expressed regret regarding the situation in, in a televised address from the Oval Office. Um, and, so he and this, fucking admits it. And this he is sort admits of it. well, no, this so. is this is his comments from some of the some of his speeches, which I'm sure you've heard sound bites of. Um, Reagan. So yeah, so so Reagan, who he he had not like he had been silent for about three months, um, admits the scandal. He said, um, "The reason I haven't spoken to you before now is this: you deserve the truth, and as frustrating as the waiting has been, I felt it was improper to come to you." With sketchy reports or possibly even erroneous statements, which would not have to be corrected, uh, creating even more doubt and confusion. There's been enough of that. Um, then Reagan goes on to say, first let me say, I take full responsibility for my actions and for those of my administration. Yeah, but no legal as responsibility. As, as angry as I may be about activities undertaken without my knowledge, I am still accountable for those activities. As disappointed as I may be in some who served me, I'm still the one who must answer the American people for this behavior. So what are the odds um, that he actually knew, Steve? Let's get right down to brass tacks. 100%. Well, 100%. Well, we'll, we'll get to that at the end, because this is this goes into the conspiracy aspect of it, which, okay. is, which is very important. I have to go through all of this before we can talk about okay. that. Okay. Because so, you're, you're, you're jumping ahead. Well, you understand why. Um, I mean, it's it's juicy. Yes, it's it, it's juicy, but but what I'm saying is you're you're still not you're, you're still not done. Okay. Okay. Um. So and then he goes on to say, a few months ago, I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. You're as such the, a stupid motherfucker, Ronald. God damn, you're dumb. As the Tower shit. Board reported, <laughs> what began Christ. as a strategic opening to Iran deteriorated in its implementation into trading arms for hostages. This runs counter to my own beliefs, to administration policy, and to the original strategy we had in mind. So basically, if you want to interpret this, what he said is that I murdered this guy by stabbing him 57 times in the face, but my heart didn't tell me this was murder, and this was not what I came here intending to do. So I don't think I really murdered him. What a um, prick. What so a fucking prick. It's it's really unclear ultimately. Uh, like we don't really know, like whether or not Reagan Reagan knew and like when he knew and like what exactly he Perfect. knew. Um, Oliver North would go on to write: um, Ronald Reagan knew of and improved a great deal of what went on with both the Iranian initiative and private efforts on behalf of the Contras, and he received regular, detailed briefings on both. I have no. North. <laughs> I have no doubt that he was told about the use of residuals for the Contras and that he approved it um, enthusiastically. Um, notes from Defense Secretary Weinberger indicate that Reagan was aware of of potential hostage transfers with Iran, as well as the sale of missiles um, to what he was told were moderate elements within Iran. Notes from Weinberger on December 7th, 1985, record Reagan said he could he could answer charges of illegality, but he could not um, answer a charge that the, the big, strong president charge was essentially it. Um, 
the the Republicans who who sort of wrote a challenging to the congressional report uh, report to the congressional committees investigating the Iran Contra affair. Um, they made this conclusion. There is some question and dispute about precisely the level at which he chose to follow the operation details. There is no doubt, however, that the president set the U.S. policy towards Nicaragua with few, if any, amb- ambiguities, and then left subordinates more or less free to implement it. So um, basically, Reagan said, this is what I want to happen. Just make it happen. I don't care how it happens. That, that's essentially what the Republicans say that his okay. role in it was. Okay. Um, and this is at that time. This isn't later on. This is like as this is going on. This is what the Republicans in Congress write mm-hmm. as like a yeah. rebuttal yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. the Democrat-led congressional report. Gotcha. So Reagan's approval ratings fall um, about 21% um, uh, because of this. Um, which is considered at that point the largest single drop of any president in history. Um, but Reagan God. eventually recovers from this before the end of his presidency. Okay. All right. Well, um, he shouldn't and, have, but okay. And internationally, um, internationally, this damages the United States' prestige um, pretty severely. And uh, Magnus Reinstrup uh, is quoted as saying, U.S. willingness to engage in concessions with Iran and the Hezbollah not only signaled to its adversaries that hostage-taking was an extremely useful instrument in extracting political and financial concessions for the West, but also undermined any credibility of U.S. criticism of other states' deviation from the principles of no negotiation and no concession to terrorists and their demands. God, I'm basically saying, bro, you, you, you do not fucking actually stand for what you say. You just talk shit. Um, in, in Iran... Um, the man who leaked the first report, uh, Mehdi Hashemi, um, he's executed in 1987 um, for for alleged activities unrelated to the Iran-Contra scandal. Um, uh, Hashemi makes makes a video confession to a bunch of the, the charges, uh, but a lot of this is very suspicious due to his role in leaking um, the, the Iran-Contra. What year is this? 1987. Okay. 1989. <laughs> during during his um, during uh, George Bush's presidential campaign, George H. W. Bush's campaign in 1988, um, he denied any knowledge of the Iran Contra affair and claimed he was out of the loop. Um, a lot of his diaries um, all, uh, state contrarily, though, that he was one of the few people who knew all the details. Mm. Um, and, and he refused to discuss the incident um, throughout the presidential race and afterwards. Wonderful. Um, uh, an Israeli journalist named uh, Ronan Bergman published a book in 2008, um, which asserts that Bush was uh, personally and secretly briefed on the affair. You can't affair, trust Ronan. Um, He's a Cree. By, <laughs> by Amiram Nir. Um, a, a counterterrorism advisor to the Israeli Prime Minister uh, Yishak Shamir, um, uh, that when Bush visited Israel, um, and he goes on to say that Nir could have incriminated um, Bush, but that Nir had died under mysterious circumstances on a chartered um, airplane crash in Mexico in December of 1988. Hmm. A lot um, of people die in mis- a lot of which, people die which, in like mis- totally mysteriously. Which, which sort of which sort of gives rise um, to sort of conspiracy theories that he was killed either by um, at the behest of Bush 
or the Mossad. Well, Bush was the head of the CIA at one point, so he knew how to do it. Um, so, in, in terms of indi- of people who were indicted for the for their role in the uh, Iran Contra affair, Casper uh, Weinberger, who was Secretary of Defense, he was indicted on two counts of perjury and one count of obstruction of justice on June sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two. Robert C. McFarlane, National Security Advisor, um, he was convicted of withholding evidence, um, but after a plea bargain, was only given two years probation. Um, oh my God! Elliot Abrams, that Elliot Abrams, that um, that okay, okay. Assistant Secretary of State, he was convicted of withholding evidence. Hold up. I don't know who that um, is. He he's like a war, like he's like an architect of the Iraq War. Okay, like, yeah, like, no, he was like, he, yeah, yeah, he's like a go-to guy that that like conservative administrations go to to like do these types of shit. Uh, he does like foreign policy and he's done it for the worst people in the world, like Reagan, Bush, he's and like, I believe Trump too, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, he's like Trump's called him in at some points. He, he's like a junior Henry Kissinger in terms of Oof. He's very bad. He's um, very that's very sad, bad. a junior Henry he's a McHenry Kissinger. So Alan Alan D. Fears, the chief of the CIA Central American Task Force uh, was convicted of withholding evidence and sentenced to one-year probation. Okay. Uh, Claire George, chief of the Covert Ops Department of the Central Intelligence Agency, was convicted on two charges of perjury, but pardoned by... Uh, he would eventually be pardoned before sentenced. By uh, Bush? Yes, and we'll, we'll get to that. All, all of these people are pardoned by George W. Bush at the end of his presidency. What a piece of shit. Fuck George, George w. H. Bush. W. Bush, yes. Fuck George um, H.W. <laughs> Oliver North. Piece of shit. Um, oh, was in is he still alive, George H.W.? <laughs> no, he yeah, died. No, he, he, died. Was he died. He was grabbing asses, like, right up until yeah, he was, David <laughs> David Copperfield, I think, was his... He said his name was jokingly after he... Did you say David Copperfield? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Ollie North. Oliver North... Oliver North was indicted on 16 charges. Jesus Christ. Um, and let me guess, he a, did uh, six months probation. Well, a, a jury convicted him of accepting an illegal gratuity, obstruction of a congressional inquiry, and destruction of documents. All right, so uh, maybe a year. The, the convictions were were, a, were overturned on appeal. What the um, fuck? Because they claimed his Fifth Amendment rights may have been violated by the use of... Um, immunized public testimony and because the judge had incorrectly explained the crime of destruction of documents to the jury. How can you misexplain destruction of fucking documents? What? I don't... When when someone asks you The ACLU got it. How do you fucking misexplain it? Uh, These are documents and they were destroyed. So what I mean to say is when I say they were destroyed I mean they would be really hard to put back together. Uh, so uh, uh, he told us that the documents were destroyed. Uh, it come to find out that the documents were actually able to be taped back together after 16 hours of continuous research on these documents to find out exactly how they should be put back together. Uh, so the documents were not destroyed, therefore mistrial. Bitch, what? Um, <laughs> what? Fawn, what? <laughs> Fawn Hall, who was Oliver North's secretary, um, she was given immunity from prosecution. Um, she better fucking have snitched. Un- on charges of conspiracy and destroying documents in exchange for testimony. There you go. Um, Snitch. Gotcha. Jonathan Scott Royster, who was the liaison to Oliver North, was also given immunity from prosecution on charges of conspiracy and destroying documents for his testimony. Did he snitch? Um, Yeah. John 
John Poindexter was convicted on five of five accounts of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, perjury, and defrauding the government, and the alteration and destruction of evidence. Uh, he had to do time, right? Well, a, a panel of the D.C. Circuit overturned his conviction on November fifteenth, nineteen ninety-one, for the same reasons as Oliver North's, um, you... <laughs> and by a, by a similar vote. Um, and Fuck the Supreme Jesus Court Christ. refused to hear the case. They just refused to do their job? Yeah, it's one of those things where they, they said that the judgment of – like, because the Supreme Court can do that where they can say like they felt that the judgment of the previous court was sound or whatever, so they don't need to see the the case. Okay. okay. Um, Still bullshit, but okay. Uh, Dwayne Quaridge, um, an ex-CIA senior official – he was indicted on November 1991 on seven counts of perjury, false statements relating to um, to a November 1985 shipment of weapons to Iran. Sure, nothing happened to him the way things are going? Richard V. Secord, um, a former Wait, Air Force Major General. <laughs> you skipped it. Did anything actually happen to that guy? Well, they, they all get pardoned by George H.W. Bush. Oh, fuck off. Every single one of them? Yeah, all of them. No. Even, the one, even before... Um, even before the one goes to trial, even before I think it's Claire George, he, so before just, his trial's again, though, done, he's pardoned. Again, so nobody did jail to, time. To nobody. what end? Nobody did jail time. No, no one really does jail time for this. I realize I'm annoying, you know, because I keep asking the same fucking question. But to what end? Why? Well, we'll. I'll, I'll get to that when I'm done going through all the people who were pardoned. Because it seems like they're all friends, and they don't friends don't. So Richard friends go to jail. Richard Visa Cord. A uh, former Air Force Major General who's involved in the transfers and, and uh, of weapons to Iran and the diversion of funds. He pleaded guilty in November of 1989 to making false statements to Congress. And he was sentenced to two years of probation. Okay. Um, okay. And and he agreed. Um, he, he, he got a plea bargain, essentially. He agreed to truthful testimony in exchange for a dismissal of the remaining. <laughs> he got a plea bargain to tell what? the truth. <laughs> He got, uh, listen, listen, you guys. Buddy, buddy, you just tell you the truth what? and we will let you I'll off tell you the what hook. I'll do. I'll tell you what I'm going to give you fuck? guys, all right? I'm going to give you 100% unaltered information. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. But I got to get off completely. You know, you drive a hard bargain, but goddamn it. All dude. right, great. Now, where's Al- my Capri Sun? I asked for it in my plea bar. <laughs> Albert. Uh, we actually got you a pants, the Capri pants. Thinking that that's what you were Perfect. asking for? Perfect. They're Capri's? just as comfortable. I love them. <laughs> Albert Hakim, a businessman, um, he he also pled guilty in 1989 um, to supplementing the salary of Oliver North by buying a a thirteen thousand eight hundred dollar fence. Uh, what for North with money from quote unquote the enterprise, uh, <laughs> which was one of the like, which was one of like the bodies of, of money that they were that they were using. To um, slush to, to sort of launder money, yeah. It was their fucking slush they, fund. This is really not giving me any Enterprise? sort of hope that any one of these people in Trump's administration and, are going to end up in handcuffs. It's really not. You know, you get to that level and, with the um, with the government, though, where um, and I, I don't know. Like Steve could speak more intelligently on it than I'm. I'm just speculating that once you get up to the president, there's a certain amount of like we can't allow the office to be seen in a certain light ever. And it, it like obfuscates their crimes completely. That's fucking disgusting. I just I've it's always disgusting. felt that way, well, and I've been, and people have definitely hinted at it. But as far as like evidence, well, I mean, it seems like we have well, plenty of evidence here. 
Well, well, Steve, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like you're, you're wrong on that regard, and we'll, we'll get to that, at, like why George H. W. Bush gave them all, okay. um, as, as like going out, because remember he lost the presidency, so like sort of his last act, you know, his presidents do. When he was a lame duck, because he was on his way. Yeah, to the when fuck he was out. a lame duck, and he just he just sort of gives out pardons. It's going to be Supreme interesting Court to judge. see who Donald Tom Trump Cotton. gives out pardons if he loses. Donald um, Trump's going to pardon everybody in federal prison if he loses. He's going to say every single person in federal prison is pardoned. Get the fuck out of here. I'm telling you, he's going to do some crazy dumb shit. There's no way he well, doesn't. He I, he's going to do something insane if he loses. If I, he loses, I agree. And, and also a a Swiss a Swiss company Lake Resources Inc. Um, which which was also involved in the deals. Um, they pled guilty to stealing government property, um, and Hakeem was given uh, two years of probation at a five thousand dollar fine, um, and the Lake Resources Company was forced to dissolve. Okay, so that's somebody that actually had some had some punishment. Two years probation and five thousand dollars fine. Okay, we have we finally have a fucking. You got punishment. it, Chief. So, it only took so, what nine people to get there. One, two, three, so, four. Thomas Thomas G. Quines, a former CIA officer who was involved in the operations, uh, according to the special prosecutor, Quines had earned nearly eight hundred eighty-three thousand um, dollars, helping helping out with the the secret operations of the quote-unquote enterprise. Good lord! He was he was indicted for for concealing the full amount of his profits from the enterprise. Um, for the 1985 and 86 tax years and failing to declare for his uh, foreign uh, financial gains. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he, was, he was convicted and served 16th months in prison, the only Iran-Contra defendant to have served prison. So the Al Capone, time. the only guy what? that served any time what? was the Al Capone <laughs> candidate. Hey, this guy's fucking with our money, as my brother likes to say. You could kill a man's yeah. dog. You could kill a man's son. He earned almost a million but dollars. Don't fuck yeah. with their money. Yeah. Nope. The the independent counsel refused to. He chose not to retry uh, North or Point Dexter. And overall, there was uh, several dozen people hot, hot, hot. were investigated by the independent counsel's office. Can we can, can we go back to Thomas real quick? Because this motherfucker got sixteen months in prison, which is sixteen months more than everybody else that should have been in prison for concealing how much money he made. Good lord, this our government's so fucked. Our government is so yeah, fucked up. Jesus Christ. This is this is where it gets better. You want to know better. who you want to know who was um, the attorney general under George H. W. Bush and who advised him to pardon that fucking people? baby dinosaur looking motherfucker William Barr because yes. I know what he did at this time. You piece of shit. <laughs> you and hate it this was, motherfucker so much. Oh my God, and it and it was William Barr. And the reasoning that it's thought that this was done. Was because it was believed that if any of these people, if the trials had gone on further that were currently going on, that George H. W. Bush could have been um, sort of tied to that. Steve, I don't get it. I don't fucking get how this guy, this one guy, Barr, has so much clout that he comes in. Well, let me finish. He comes in and just does whatever the fuck he wants. And... Nobody says anything. Like, there's no fucking repercussions at all. You know? And then he comes in. Barr's dad is the one who got off Jeffrey Epstein way back in the day by, like, not filing charges against him. So they're all going to be real nice to William Barr, the son of the guy who didn't prosecute Epstein. Well, okay. 
That's interesting. Uh, not even lying. No, but I, I, that's I, his, his not, dad. I would never accuse you of lying. So. I'm, I'm just, you know, I, 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 I get that, but like, it's just crazy because he's doing it again. Like, he, it's, they, it's a good old boys. They club, ask him man. direct questions and he doesn't answer them in the way that would make any sense. Like, not whether he's right or wrong. I'm just saying that, like, it's been yeah. demonstrated so many times that the way he answers the questions, it's just fallacious, you know? Like, and mm-hmm. this guy's been doing but, it for fucking 30 years. But the the main the main reason um, Bush does this is because it's believed that Weinberger, if that he had um, that he had not received his pardon, because uh, Weinberger was um, was indicted on on June sixteenth of nineteen ninety two. Um, if he wasn't pardoned by George H W Bush on December twenty fourth of nineteen ninety two. Um, it's possible because this was before Weinberger was tried. It's possible that Weinberger could have implicated George H. W. Bush in the Iran Contra oh. deal, and then George H. W. Bush would have been on trial, and he wouldn't have been president by the time that happened because Bill Clinton would have been inaugurated by that time. Oh my! And god, Bush dude. would have gone to the guillotine. Oh Got my him. god, man! Because because Bill Clinton is not going to pardon any of these people. Like he's he's just going to let him hang because they're not they're not his people. And he probably also agreed, you know, what they did was wrong, which which what they did was wrong. Um, but he has he has no political reason to sort of save these like idiots. And, and so that's what they are. <laughs> so basically, all the people in government are good old boys. They all know each other. They're all friends with each other. They've all done dirt for decades, and nobody is ever going to let another person I'm not fall. Generalize that far, and, but I think this particular group we have. Pretty strong evidence that is the case, yeah. I bet if we had another hour to, to keep following these threads, we'd probably end up with the names of 50% I'll be even of more specific. Right I now. think if we focused on U.S. politics, recent U.S. politics, as a history topic, we would we could probably demonstratively prove what you're saying. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, what I, would, what I would argue is, and this is something that doesn't get brought up a lot, is that one of the reasons I think that Republicans had an axe to grind against Clinton from the moment he came into office was because of Iran-Contra, because the Democrats had sort of put Reagan into the spotlight. Because throughout Clinton's entire presidency, the Republicans have been actively trying to get him in a type of scandal like this. And initially, Whitewater was their attempt at this, because Whitewater was that real estate deal that the Clintons had been involved in. Um, but but what had happened with Whitewater, other than being like a really bad sort of like real estate scam, they weren't really culpable. You know what I mean? It wasn't really like they, they hadn't really committed a crime. So they didn't have anything there. And during this, that's when Monica Lewinsky came up because Linda uh... Tripp, who was in the government, she sort of came to them because she knew about Monica and the president. And she they the, the Republicans essentially like at, at one point even literally trapped Monica Lewinsky to get her. To, to sort of say that you know she had sexual relations with Bill Clinton, there there is there was a period where when this first came to light, they literally like kidnapped Monica Lewinsky and held her in a hotel room until she would like agree to um, sort of like come out and testify against the whoa, president. Whoa, 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 and I whoa. believe it was her. Are you serious? Yeah, where they? Yeah, they you don't remember? No, that? I don't know anything yeah. about that at all, and that's kind of extraordinary. Linda Linda, Linda Tripp, sort of who was her friend. Or, or at least claimed to be her friend. Sort they were of co-workers, like, right? Yeah, they were co-workers. Yeah, and yeah. she invited her to like, she's like, let's go talk or whatever at this like cafe that was at this one hotel. 
And she essentially I need you got- to dish. I need you to tell me what Bill's penis looked like. I need you to tell me, was it weird? Would it hang to the left a little bit? Was it short? Well, like a little and she gets- was it long? And she gets jumped by like congressional like officers, and and as part of like the thing, you like you know how Congress can subpoena people, they essentially use those powers to sort of like like convince her that she's under a type of like arrest, and, and they sort of hold her in a hotel room until somebody comes and gets her out of there, like until her family essentially gets her a lawyer to get her out of there because they want her to sort of like testify against Bill Clinton. See, I really thought the whole time, and even now looking back, I'm always like, yo, they went like above and and when I say they, I mean the GOP at the time of the Clinton presidency went above and beyond to fucking nail this dude to the cross. Now, first first and foremost, he lied under oath. And he also disrespected the office of the president. So what he did was not okay. But the the lengths that they went to to just fucking slam this dude, I was like, so right, I'm gonna say well, this. y'all are kind of being extra. I'm going to say this. Like, uh, Clinton is like... But it makes sense for Clinton's that now. like just another example of a person in power who abuses his position and, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, uh, takes, takes advantage of a woman um, who's clearly not on his level financially. You know, I, I don't Correct. know what I don't well, really know a lot was, about that situation, but well, she was she was also a child, it, like relatively yeah, sure. compared yeah. to he's like in she, his forties, fifties. She yeah. was she was right out of college, yeah. and he's like the most powerful man in the world, and like much older than her. And I think that that's that's terrible. I just want to make sure that we state that, but that I'm looking this up now and. I can't. I have never heard of this before. It's fucking totally real. Like it's a lot more sinister. She, that entire she had every thing right to go after Clinton too, because he was he he abused his position and he fucked. Fuck he, yeah, he, he did. definitely is a fucking criminal in that regard. Well, well, the thing, well, the thing was that she didn't want to go after. Right, him. she didn't want like, to, and she was forced to by Ken Starr. That's what I'm reading here. Yeah, essentially, she was she mm-hmm. was cornered in yeah, the hotel room. There, there's a really good podcast that sort of talks about like each season is a different oh, like sort of like political dude. or cultural event, and it's called Slow Burn. And there's a whole season that's like like the first one is all about like the Nixon <laughs> administration, <laughs> um, and and there's a whole there's a whole I gotta episode, get my Bitcoin, like, Steve. You can't just drop these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I want. Well, remember you gotta you gotta edit in a, a trailer for oh, yeah. uh, Sinclair. Oh yeah, definitely. I downloaded it already. I'll talk to you guys about it later. But uh, it sounds good. It's but good. I would, I would just put it at the front of yeah. The, that's what I was going to podcast do. like a lot of them yeah, that's do. What I was do. So, but we'll talk about it later. But but other than that, I guess that's our episode for today. Well, there's more. That is there's okay, fucking so more. Good. No, I said that was our episode. Oh, are we no, done? Episode. Yeah. Oh my god. So basically, this, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. God, I'm damn. really drunk. Go I ahead. knew, I I knew a little bit about a lot of this. Okay, so I knew like little bits and pieces. But when everything gets put together and you really connect the dots and the people and the players of this whole thing, like. God, you were listen, Steve. You did not lie. This is the dumbest fucking thing I have ever heard in my life. It's just so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Nothing resulted from it other than the fact that a bunch of really stupid people had to cover up for each other, right? Like my thing well, is, I keep asking it, you, and I'm 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 badgering you a little bit. I apologize, but what the fuck? What is the end goal? What happened? That did and did they get anything out of this? Well, my, nope. my I would nope. say that the greatest Nothing. the greatest irony of this is 
is that the current Republican Party, which is obsessed with the destruction of Iran, um, that their greatest heroes essentially stake their political careers on arming and enabling the survival of the Iranian government. They stake um, their lives and, on it because and again, also, treason is and, punishable by death. And so. also, and also, and also, Israel, a, a country that also wants to destroy Iran, um, was was also heavily involved in the survival of Iran during the Iran-Iraq War. Because if they had not received these arms deals, it's very possible that Iraq could have defeated Iran. Yeah, because Iraq was, as you said before, Iraq was. Uh, financially uh, independent because of uh, oil wealth and they had they had a powerful military and the capabilities without the without yeah, the like involvement what? of the US government Israel and the Danish helicopter logistics company they wouldn't have been able to get any weapons because <laughs> one of the big reasons why like the Iraqi military in Desert Storm got bowled over so quickly, well, one is they, they sort of ran away because they knew they couldn't win. But second of all, it was largely because they were pretty depleted from fighting an eight-year war. Hey, Steve, what's uh, like, what's Margaret Thatcher's role in this whole thing? <laughs> I don't oh think my. Maggie listen, was involved. Listen, she, listen, she don't you funding death squads don't, in Northern don't Ireland. Don't fucking but dare bring up that goddamn Have you ever heard devil. the NoFX song, uh, Ronnie and Mags? No, I have not. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send that to you right now. I'm I'm gonna I'm oh, gonna email fuck. Fat Mike and ask him if I can make it the intro to the episode. He's, pro- <laughs> he's, well, he's can, pretty cool about it most of the time. You can you can use like you can use a certain. No, like, I looked that up. Apparently, you you can't. You have to ask for permission um, to use. I thought you could get yeah, a certain I thought amount so of time, too. like 10 seconds or something I thought so too, like that. but you have to – apparently you have to ask for permission if you're going to release a podcast that you have to ask for permission. So hmm. it's mm, weird. I mean I, I'll say I'm wrong if I'm wrong, but I looked it up and I read a bunch of websites about it, not just one or two, you know. And uh, yeah, not that I'm implying you guys are just cursory looking. I'm just saying when I looked into it because I really wanted to put the contra music at the beginning of this episode or like at the end of the last yeah. one. <laughs> and I, I was just like, yeah, the last thing I need is fucking Nintendo of America or Konami you coming could, after me. You could you could just find some like fair use, like someone's rendition of the Konami. Also, not only that, you have to consider. Do you think Nintendo would come after the trilateral hey, trike? Big enough. Hey. Why? By the way, if you're on Facebook, uh, feel free to check I, us I out. Think, share us with your friends. I, I think if anyone would come after us, it would be the Trilateral Commission, <laughs> which is a real, which is a real government, like well, not government, is a real G one. It's really long, and I apologize ahead of time. I'm going to edit this one because I'm, I am rip shit on fucking almond croissants and beer. <laughs> Well, that's it was nice I'm high, I'm high general, as but, uh, so that's fine. Nancy and I have a little soiree with Rock Hudson and Frank Sinatra. So, hey, you forgot somebody. Who? Oh, <laughs> North. Wait, I thought Ollie North went to jail, though. No, no, he didn't go to jail. He didn't. He didn't actually get a prison sentence. He might have spent a couple nights in jail, but I'm pretty oh, sure he guy. he like bonded out. He's got a mugshot, but he did not yes, have a significant chance. He was processed, so. Unbelievable. Alright, I'm out. Goodbye. Alright, everybody. See you in a couple weeks, everybody.